Hello, I'm Paul. I'm Adam. And I'm Ben. And welcome to the Film Busters Podcast. The film show with no filters, no prisoners taken, loads of disagreements, but one hell of a love for cinema. If you want to hear three friends ridiculing each other for an hour or so regarding their taste in films, then you have come to the right place. In each episode, one of the team picks a film for us to discuss. It could be anything from a recent cinema release to an all-time classic. So, strap in and get ready to get mad or get vindicated as we guide you through the murky world of being a film geek. If you like what you hear, you can also find us on Twitter and Instagram using at Pod. You can also find each of our individual accounts. I'm at FilmBustersPaul. I'm at FilmBustersAdam. And I'm at FilmBustersBen. If you want to use your eyes instead of your ears, you can also visit the website at filmbusterspod.co.uk And if busting makes you feel good you can also support us at patreon.com forward slash filmbusters for exclusive content. Or shoot over and get some groovy merchandise at society6.com forward slash filmbusters. Alright, can we just get on with this now please? Filmbusters Hello everyone and welcome back to Filmbusters. Today's a very special day. We have two people who have arrived. They've, they've been away for a long time. This is Ben, the usual host, who who isn't really that important anymore because Jamie is here, our wonderful patron. Way for Jamie. Hey, how are you, you wonderful man? I'm good, thank you. Thanks for inviting me back. I thought um, perhaps I'm flexing my patron sort of uh, privileges here a little bit, aren't I? Well, we can't really say no if you're paying us the exactly. money. Exactly. <laughs> we can't really say I'm, no. You I'm got forcing going. myself. <laughs> Listen, you are better than all of us, mate. So you are welcome back anytime. And if you want to just take control of film buses, you may do so. Yes, we'll hand over right, the domain, you. give you give you the the Buzzsprout login, and you can take yeah. this podcast from us. Uh, no thanks. <laughs> <laughs> now let's uh, get it out of the way immediately. As fans of the podcast and uh, fans of of Jamie himself should know, unless you were living under a rock, you um. Well, we all found out something very cool about a month ago, right? Maybe you should be the one to, to say it, Jamie. But you, you, you have someone quite high profile who uh, mm. was once quite connected to you. Yes, yes. Well, I'm, it, was, it was completely out of the blue. Um, I had no idea about this at all. I was, I was, so I was watching um, uh, Loki uh, uh, with my daughter um, and watched the first episode um, and both really enjoyed it. Got to the end of the episode, and uh, it said directed by Kate Heron. I thought I'm not, I'm, that name sounds familiar. I've uh, I, I taught a Kate Heron a long, long time ago. I thought maybe well, you know, so I think well, it's it's more likely to be an American, you know, a Kate Heron, perhaps. But anyway, I thought I'll just just check. You know, you never know. Uh, so I, I looked up uh, IMDb. And uh, thankfully, she hasn't changed at all in the sort of 17 years since I, I taught her. Um, and so I said to, to Erin, I taught her. And of course, as enthusiastic teenager she is, she, she immediately demanded that I try to contact her in some way. And so, yeah. <laughs> Absolutely. Yeah. Defo. So um, I was uh, on to Twitter and gave her a message, not really expecting any sort of response. I think I, I, I mentioned it to you guys as well. And yeah. uh, the very next morning, I got a fantastic uh, response. Sort of, uh, I've, I've, I wouldn't have gone into film without you, and it was just, 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 just 
Fantastic. That's, that's got to be amazing to hear. Yes. To, to hear totally, that. That yeah. is the ultimate, right? It that's is. why you do what you it do. It is. It is. Absolutely. Jamie, that is incredible, mate. <laughs> so good. That yeah. is amazing stuff. Makes it all that is amazing stuff. Kudos. Kudos. Thank you. Do you think that we, um, uh, that's uh, in 17 years, someone who listens to this podcast will say, I got into filmmaking because of you, and they'll be like the new Tarantino or something. And they'll go, I owe it all to film busters. Who knows? Who never. Knows? Never. You never know. <laughs> that's it. You just you, you, you just have to keep on keep on going, and you never know what type of... You, you never know. I, you had no idea that you had me as a, as a, as a fan. Exactly, Aww. exactly. I saw something the other day on Twitter, so I don't remember who posted it, but Julio retweeted it, and it said, and this is a call out to all of those of you oh, who yes. listen to the podcast. I agree with this, yeah. And it's like, if you listen to a podcast and you like what you hear, reach out and tell them because there is nothing they would love more. And it's true, dear listeners, if anyone is out there in the stratosphere who isn't on Twitter that speaks to us regularly or anything like that, and you think, oh, I don't really want to get in touch, it's a bit awkward or anything, please do it. Send an email, tweet us, Instagram, whatever the thing is, because we would love to know. You haven't even got to say anything. All you've got to say is, hey, I listened to that episode, it was okay. That would mean the world to us. So please do it. If you feel like doing it, and we don't know who you are, please do it. It would be and good to know you're out there. And we you in our podcast. Oh, we, we yeah. definitely would. Yeah. Or you can only sit where Jamie's sitting. Hell yeah. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. You never know. Anyway, this is a big um, big episode because it's been a long time since just the core film buses were all bloody together. Because uh, the last episode was before Jaws 2. Mm-hmm. And can you remember what that episode was? Was it? It would have been my pick, wouldn't it? Would yeah. be Nice Guys. Nice Guys. It's been since mm. Nice yeah. Guys. Yes. Nice Guys. Last That's one. A very long time. That was a long time ago. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Nice Guys, Jaws 2, Power Rangers, The Suicide Squad. That's yeah. the gap. The film's just gone, ooh. <laughs> <laughs> then we had a little break. Ben was away. I had a little break, but it was just in between podcasts because I'm a professional and I didn't want to miss any, unlike Ben. Right. It would fall apart without you, Paul. You'd have to edit the shit out of this. Thank you. Thank you. Did you still edit our Jaws 2 po- podcast? He did, I very did. kindly. <laughs> I did. <laughs> but we are here. We are back, all together, with Jamie as well, on board, to do his choice, The Vanishing, from 1988, by George Slooza? Slootza? That's something all right. right. <laughs> something along those lines. It's about that. It's about that. <laughs> we went in very back or blind. Jamie didn't want us to know anything about this film. So it's all very exciting. And I am very excited to talk about it with you guys. Mm. Very much. Much anticipated. Indeed. We Which actually found out we would be watching this like a couple of months back. Jamie, you, you revealed right. that this was going to mm-hmm. be the next pick. So for a while we knew it was coming. Mm. And then obviously we watched it. And then had to wait a fair few weeks mm. to actually record the episode. It's a big so event. Much, so much so that you, need, need, you needed to watch it again, Ben. Oh, well spotted, Jamie. <laughs> yes. Well spotted. <laughs> yes. I rewatched it today, everyone. I noticed. <laughs> <laughs> I didn't. I kind of was like, do I need to rewatch it again? I wrote pretty good notes, but I was like, I want to. I need it fresh. I need it fresh again. That's nice. I didn't have yes. time. I'm very sorry. Very poor. Oh, cool. You've been holidaying. Me. You've been busy holidaying. <laughs> Did you buy it then, Ben? Uh, I bought it the first time round. I have to confess, this second time round, I watched the YouTube version. Uh, oh, this YouTube. Oh, I could have watched that instead to recap my memory on it. I actually, I actually 
uh, rented it on YouTube the first time around anyway. I didn't even realize that it was already on YouTube for free. Um, but uh, I would recommend paying for it because you should always pay for your product. Mm. Yes. I did not even know it was on YouTube for free, so I paid for my product. What can we say? Do you own this film, Jamie? I do, yes. Well, look at that. In what capacity? Blu-ray? No, just it's a standard standard DVD. It was only I on SD there, on I don't YouTube think there as well, I don't think there was there a wasn't Blu-ray. a HD version mm-hmm. when I went to rent it. Yeah, I'm pretty sure oh. there's not. I don't think there's a Blu-ray. I think there's a Criterion actually, so there might there might actually be. Any. But there's the interesting Criterion don't always do Blu-rays, do they? they don't. Criterion have just got a bunch of DVDs. That's true. Mm-hmm. Maybe it adds to the '80s aesthetic. But anyway, before we get too much into that film, you know, Paul, do you say oh, yes. the other thing? We should do. We haven't done this in a while as well. Let's do the staple of every episode, yeah. which is the quiz. If you haven't uh, listened to an episode before, we do a quiz every episode where I normally ask Adam and Ben two questions, and if they get them right, they get the points. If they get them wrong, I get the points. The scores are Adam on twenty-one, Ben on twenty, and me on twelve. Well, I'm much closer than I remember being. Mm, very and close. And so, so it's clearly a very competitive move, Ben, that you've watched this film again recently. Oh. It's, uh, it was only for the quiz questions, Jamie. <laughs> indeed, indeed. <laughs> and speaking now of the quiz, and the host will actually be Jamie this episode. Very excitingly, so I it's, actually it's, get an opportunity. It's, it's, it's going to be much more straightforward than last time. <laughs> Don't worry. We had pen and paper last time. We have to draw a picture. What well, we did, yeah, we did. <laughs> 6,000 points. Right. Okay. Are we ready for question are there one? Two, are there two questions, Jamie? There, there are two questions, yes. Okay, okay. Okay. So, the first one. What sporting event is featured as, as radio commentary at the, Tour de France. the film? I'm going to say cycling, but Adam said Tour de France, so how specific do you want to be? Well, it has to be the actual event, so it's it's Tour de France. So yeah. Well done, Adam. Done, Adam. I was wait. I knew cycling. When you said it, I knew cycling, but I, I couldn't get the the name of the actual yeah. competition into my head. I He's only one there. real cycling event. I know, but I, I couldn't get it in there. <laughs> He's too ahead. Well done. Okay, this next one's a bit trickier. What two birthday presents are used by Raymond to lure Saskia? Uh, the key ring and oh, the shit. box of tiles. Yes. Oh, yes. I knew Excellent. the key ring. I wouldn't have got the tile. Uh, was he also wearing the cardigan it, that well, his I, I went back from? to check that and no, he's not. Okay. No, okay. He's not. Yeah. I f- actually I, forgot uh, about the tiles. Questions. The tiles, yeah. The tiles, mm. yeah. Yeah. And, then, yeah. and then she sees the photo, doesn't she? Yes. The, the photo of them all on the bridge. Mm-hmm. Look at that. One apiece. One apiece. Good work, Jamie, and you're keeping me and Adam in the game. Ooh. Lovely stuff. So do you want to know the scores at the end of that round? Oh, please. Well, Adam, you're on 22. Ben, you're on 21, and I'm on 12. Paul, I think you can safely say you're out of contention this year, don't you think? Listen, this was, this was all about you guys this year. I'm the quiz host. It just means I'm Why doing good questions. Why do you all the points? <laughs> That people like Jamie and Julio and all them people have got when they've turned up onto our quiz. Nah. We can add them onto yours. I don't need the points, mate. It might make it up to like 15. I want you two to be one of the champions this year. I don't need it. I've won it too many times. What, oh, what a braggart you are. <laughs> Was it once you won it? I've won it twice. No, you were just host by default the first time round. You never won it. No, no, it was no, no. just you were hosting. No, no, that wasn't it. I won it the first year. You won it the second year, Ben. I won it this year to get this one again. 
Yeah. Oh, okay. Whatever you say, Paul. Yes. I keep a score. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, very good score. Anyway, master. very good questions, Jamie. Thank you. Excellent work. Did you get them at home, children? We hope so. Hopefully no children were watching this film, I would say that much. <laughs> Before we move on to the main event, we should talk about the wonderful patron episode that we will be doing at the end of this episode. We've already recorded yes. it. Jamie has suggested the patron topics. He actually he suggested three a few. of them, was it? Yeah, and we, mm-hmm. we were the ones to decide what one we wanted to do. And it was a very lengthy episode. What one do you reckon we went for, Jamie? Um, best uh, best uh, sociopaths. You got it. That is correct. <laughs> that is very correct. We're talking about the the best or most effective sociopaths in film. We all had. Three. And what makes the difference yes. between? Uh, yeah. Also, yeah, what makes yeah. the difference between a psychopath and a sociopath? Yeah, yeah, we had a very food. great talk. Um, Excellent. That is on our Patreon channel www.patreon.com forward slash filmbusters if you want to get some exclusive content exclusive episodes you can come on the episodes like Jamie is right now that'd be a wonderful thing wouldn't it yes it would (laughs) (laughs) you better be excited Jamie (laughs) oh sorry we're just expecting something from you then (laughs) don't worry I'll do the same absolutely and if you become a patron you can become a patron like Jamie Russell who's on the episode right now or you could be a patron like Katie and Oti, who aren't on the episode right now, but have been on episodes in the past, such as uh, The Jesus Rolls. And, and The District, District, District 9. Correct. That's their own yes. episode. That's their <laughs> own episode. Other you should also go and check out their podcast, because it's uh, highly effective. Yeah, the, and the, the Big Lebowski, you guessed it and on that one. And The Big Lebowski, thank you. Flying solo on that one. But yes, Big yeah. Lebowski as well. Indeed. We also have Julio, who... What did he do? He did um, the Charlie Chaplin film. What was that called again? Limelight. That's the Adam gave it an 8 out of 10. He loved it. I did. I can't remember the name, though. (laughs) I can't remember your name half the time. (laughs) (laughs) Call you Ben. We also did Holy Motors with him and his uh, compadre Alex. Yes. Yes. Or you could become a patron, like Nerdrovert, who's not on the episode right now, but he is from Texas. He's from Texas. Is Is he really? Yes. (laughs) When I was uh, on holiday and uh, the boys were covering, doing episodes in my absence, when you got to that part and you brought up Texas again, it just made me laugh so much. (laughs) Why is this a thing that we have to point out? It's It's funny though. (laughs) No, Robert, I hope you're not uh, annoyed that we keep referring to Texas. It's just, that's how we know you, man. You're you're from Texas. And Julio. And Julio's from Texas. Two of them. Lovely. They both did voices for King of the Hill. In fact, they were both uh, King of the Hill. Uh, Bobby Hill was based on Nerdiver and uh, Luan was based on um, Julio. Only King of the Hill fans will get why that's funny. That's uh, a fact, apparently. Everyone else will just think, well, is that? <laughs> but they're highly offensive rec- uh, comparisons. <laughs> <laughs> but yes, you become a patron at www.patreon.com forward slash filmbusters. And that just means that now we can move on to the main event, which is... The Vanishing. The film was, to tell you the truth, was not discovered because I could not find, get a distributor for more than a year after having been also in Cannes. No one was interested. No one. Not Miramax, not none of the other English, whatever you were, nobody. So what happened was that 
the Sydney Festival missed a film and uh, the director who I knew vaguely said, I thought you made a film, George. Uh, we miss a film in the program because something was cancelled. Is that so? And can you send it? And I said, yes, I did make a film and he didn't know it. So I went to Sydney and the film was shown. There's only one prize and that's the audience award and the film got it. And that was the start, I would say, of the life of The Vanishing. Stanley Kubrick asked Johanna to play in his next movie. I mean, he saw the film. He, he was, I must say that to my own pleasure, he's the biggest fan. He was the biggest fan of uh, Spoilers. He saw it, I think, 10 times and called me when I was working in Los Angeles telling me about and we discussed the film shot by shot and, and, and everything. And I remember that he said, you know, it's the most terrifying film I've ever seen in my life. And I said, but have you seen The Shining? And he said, oh, oh, that's just child's play compared. I mean, that's not frightening at all compared to your movie. Right, everyone, today we're talking about The Vanishing from 1998 by George Slutzer. Sluzer, something along those lines. This is oh, a spoiler yes. episode. We will go straight into spoilers, no hanging around. So if you haven't seen it, we'll ruin the film for you. So you better go watch it or just get spoiled by our spoilers. But first of all, Adam, you have to do a very wonderful plot summary of this film. All right. How deep do you want me to go with this plot summary? As deep as you can. Because I was just going to say an incident happens in a parking lot of a, um, of a service station in France which is basically what happens, but I don't know how much you want me to delve on the, the topic yeah, delve, of this delve, yeah, delve, right. delve away. Delve this away. woman gets kidnapped <laughs> from her boyfriend <laughs> in a car park of a service station in France, and he's hunting down to find the person who kidnapped her. All right, right, Adam, just, just to flesh it out a little bit, how about uh, one of your famous or infamous meal analogies for The Vanishing? A meal? Yeah, what sort of meal is it? Um, it's got to be something French. Maybe like snails. You might love it or hate it. I don't know. Oh, that's a great rec. Yes. <laughs> bit of a slow yes. burner. A little bit odd. Not yeah. Not something you'd immediately go to. Ooh. Yeah. It's also yeah. the only French. It's a bit slimy. Really <laughs> I feel very unsettled eating snails watching this movie. I've got to say. Especially when you look at his beard. <laughs> yeah, his beard. His goatee. Uh, so, following my failure to to do what I was asked, uh, instead, it would be much more fitting if Jamie, who has a history with this film, of course, laid it out for all of you as to how he was introduced to it and, and, and what was going on in his life at that time. Well, he doesn't have to tell us what was going on in his life. He could just tell us how he felt about the film. But the circumstances is always very interesting for us to hear about okay. the circumstances, circumstances around the film. Right. Okay. So, let's hear about it. So, I... I'm not 100% sure about this, but I suspect I actually watched the remake first. Oh, wow. Mm. And I'll, I'll speak about the remake later on. Um, and, you know, the, there are parts of the remake that are done well, and it's technically the same sort of story, obviously, and with a few changes. And so I thought, oh, that was quite interesting, that was quite good. Um, then I, I found out that it was uh, a remake and that the original was significantly better. So... That was my sort of way in, and I remember watching uh, watching it with my sister, um, 
uh, in Edinburgh. Um, mm. When she was she was she was at, she was at uh, Edinburgh University, and I remember visiting her, watching The Vanishing. Um, and yeah, just just I thought it was fantastic. I remember having lots of lots of discussions with with uh, Sarah, um, and uh, it's just one of those films that stays with you. Um, mm. And uh, that's why this is this the break that we've had is quite interesting. It's, you know, because it is one of those films that can sort of linger for a while. Um, and then I remember um, after that, it was a film that I thought, well, I'm going to have to show my students this. Mm. So I did. I, it's, I actually showed it after school, I not, I don't, which I don't normally do. I showed it after school. And the reason I remember that is that another member of staff attended. And he said... Because I'd sort of advertised it around the school. Um, he said, I, "I just have to see this film again." I saw this. I saw. I saw this film about ten years ago, and it terrified me. It haunted me. But I have to see it again. So that was Mr. Hughes. Uh, uh, he was a French teacher. Um, yeah, I just remember him sitting with, sitting along with all the students watching it after school. <laughs> and uh, yeah. Did you show it to Kate Heron, Jamie? I didn't. Oh, but, but, if, but, who knows but, what would have happened? She would have been directing an episode of Twin Peaks had you shown that yeah, to her. It's quite mm. possible. Um, and we obviously talked about you know, the films that uh, I showed, and she. Um, it certainly wasn't that, but I did show her audition. Oh yes, oh. yeah. She, she 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 was in that class there with that one poor chap who was he just felt he could just see it. He started sort of, you know, during the key scene at the end, he started going, I thought, oh, no, and then his head was on the table, and he, was, oh, he looked like he was going to be sick, and then, can I, can I leave, can I leave the room, please, sir? Yeah, I'll go. Um, well, that's very good. Uh, it just occurred to me, something that you did actually say, Jamie, um, a few weeks ago, you said one of your things is to find out what Stanley Kubrick thought of Correct. this film. Nah, I did yes. find that out. Yes. I think I'm right in saying that he called up the director and he said did. it was one of, or either one of, or the most terrifying film that he had ever seen. And the director was like, what are you talking about? You did The Shining. <laughs> <laughs> and he's like, yes. But he said, he said something like, yes, but your film, something, something, I can't remember what it was. As a, as a homage to The Shining at the beginning as well, it pretty much starts in the same way, doesn't it? Yeah. Oh, yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. You're right. Yeah. Yeah. Very well, true. Well, any, anyway. That was wonderful. Very, very good. That yeah. was a wonderful intro. And because this is your film, Jamie, you get to choose what order you would like us to do our first impressions in. Right. I'm going to go alphabetical, please. Oh. A, B, J, P. Oh, no, well, I'm at the end. He's got the anchor. Alphabetical amongst you guys. Okay. <laughs> He's got the anchor leg. <laughs> that means it's you, Adam. You're no, first. I know it means it's me. I've got to tell myself. Fuck me. Right, first um, of all, Adam, have you rewatched it since you saw it? I haven't rewatched it, though, no, so I watched okay. this probably about... It must be coming up to about a month now. I watched it about a week before we meant to record. Oh, yes. It's been three weeks, like we've mentioned since then. So, a little bit hazy. So, um, yes, like you said, this film is... It's it's suspense from the moment you watch this film. I feel like because 
you don't really know what's going to happen, you're immediately put on edge. Like, from the second it happens, you're like, what, something bad is going to happen in this film, obviously, to make it how renowned <laughs> it is. But when is that bad thing happening? What is that bad thing going to be? And it is just so good at building and building and building that suspense. And then, almost for me, when it happens, the suspense is kind of gone. And then the film, it's kind of just... I don't. There's some parts of it that go through emotions, and there's some parts of it that are still just as gripping air ever. But the problem for me with this film is it lingered on certain points for too long. If you carried on this motion a bit longer, if you carried on the story, there was. I think there was a bit of a flow with how I think the film went after. Well, spoiler: she was kidnapped. Um, after then, they lingered on that bit too long, and then it kind of jumping forward, and we're jumping forward, and we're going here, and we're going there. That's what I remember from memory. But there are some fantastic moments in this film, and there's some moments that I thought was a bit meh. But uh, if you had asked if we did this three weeks ago, I'd have probably given this film an eight out of ten. But Ooh. oh, you, you, you have to you have to stick with that. You can't change that. <laughs> uh, I, I feel like now it's kind of lingering on the seven aspect. Maybe ah. now talking to us, all of us together, having talking about the film and bringing back memories on it, it might it might go back there. Because I also do feel like it's a film that needs to be spoken about. If I watched this film for the first time, I would have, like you, Jamie, have picked four. I'd put it on my list of maybe films I was going to pick at some point. Because there's so many discussion topics that happen along this way. Hmm. Interesting. And so it's seven for you? At the moment, but yeah. And that's Ben's fault. I'll, I'll, no, I'll get you up to an eight. I'll get you up to an eight. Yeah, Jamie will talk you up. Right after reading, got a six, I think. So we're going up, Ben, slowly, Jamie. Yes, it's true. <laughs> <laughs> okay, well, as Jamie pointed out, I did do a rewatch today, but allow me a little digression very quickly. I'm not going to take up too much of your time, dear listeners, but mm-hmm. considering the subject that, matter of this film. The fact that we were going to record it before I went on a two-week road trip with my wife. The fact that we watched it three or four days before we went on said road trip and have spent the last two and a half weeks driving around this country in cars, hopping in and out of cars at various places and whatnot, it added a level of resonance because, as you said, Jamie, it stays with you. And throughout the trip, I couldn't help but think about how... Just how horrible the idea is that someone doesn't matter how much you think you can protect them or or look after them or be with them or or watch them and not even protect them but no matter how vigilant you think you can be so many circumstantial things can can happen that can suddenly take that person from your life and the fact that i thought it when watching the film originally is a good thing but the fact that i was thinking that while i was actually out on the road with my wife is a whole other thing it added extra weight and resonance which is why i wanted to watch it again before we did this record so that i could see right how do i feel about it now having done that trip as well so i really loved the film anyway first of all up front i thought it was fantastic i really enjoyed it um it threw all my expectations out because one of the first things i wasn't expecting was within 10 15 minutes i didn't know anything about the film but i knew a person went missing disappeared um so when you see the abductor putting a cast on his arm in the car really early on it set me back because i was like oh we're seeing the person and you look at him and you think oh well you're not much of anything you look like a bit of a buffoon and then you were exposed to him very early on in those um petrol station scenes and i thought oh 
I wish they weren't doing this. I, I wish it was going to follow, be more of a mystery. But I loved that you were introduced to him so early on because then it changed the game of what the film was about because then very quickly it became, well, going into his mindset. And the fact that you flash back without even knowing what has actually happened to her, you flash back to the past to see all of his meticulous preparations was fascinating. And at first I was very disorientated because I didn't know what was happening. I didn't know why he was getting the family to scream. I didn't know why he was like chloroforming himself, all that sort of thing. But you know, something's not quite right. But I love the way that it built up and played up. I wasn't completely sold then when it jumped forward and we saw the obsession of of um, of Rex because something didn't quite ring true to me about the way Rex was behaving. I get the whole thing of obsession and need for an answer, and I liked that. I liked that he needed an answer and wanted closure for sure. But I didn't quite buy the Rex that we had seen prior to that becoming this Rex that we saw afterwards. And we can talk a little bit about that afterwards because there's a few interesting things that come up. But the main thing that fascinated me was the insight into the killer in that way, which we never really get. We never really get that exposure to... to if if he is a killer, which I guess indirectly he is, but we don't actually know that. What is he? Yes, indirectly he is, yeah. But we don't know if he killed Saskia, for one thing. But what I really liked was this thing... We watched him for almost an hour meticulously plan, plot every step. And then what happened to Saskia was a result of coincidence. And, and, and that whole thing of like fate and planning, you know, they just can't coexist. Like you can have set all the wheels in motion for something to happen. And then something completely unexpected changes everything. And that's true for the abduction in the film. But it's also true for everything in life. Like no matter what you plan all circumstances way beyond your control the butterfly effect from all different walks of life can change absolutely everything um so we talk a little bit more about it it is an eight out of ten for me when i first watched it it was an eight low eight at the back of this trip and re-watching it again it borders on a nine and i really want to give it that nine but we can talk about some of the reasons why i actually don't and maybe you can talk me up jamie i don't know but i i i yeah, I thought it was fantastic, and it's definitely it's in my top ten first time watches of the year, uh, and hopefully it will feature again in the end of the year if we do talk about it. If it stays in that, it stays in that spot. Mm. Look at that! I'm going last. You nailed it. You hit a nail on the head there. The point. It's a nine out of ten. Yeah, I'll, t- I'll talk to you about it in a bit, but I just re- you just reminded me of something. All right, and that's like a crossing crossroads in the film for me. I'll okay. see you at the crossroads. Adam. See you at the crossroads. Um, I have to say that going to this film back around blind, as we like to say, it truly like helped me to settle in to the story, and especially with like with no expectation of where it was actually headed, because the whole like first segment with like Rex and Saskia was so involved and expansive for something that was like unbeknownst to me actually like a, a murder mystery. I, I thought the film was just revolving around their relationship. Like, I didn't read anything about this right. film, and I was really—I was even really wrapped up in their dynamic and like the odd backstory between them. And I was actually going to like—I thought I was actually going to find out about that. But like it, that just kind of shows good writing because the world should be layered like this mm. as life is, you know. <laughs> but soon enough, I was finally like true to its title. Uh, the vanishing happened. And I could see the plot un- unfolding in front of me. But the film kept surprising me still. Like the re- revealing the killer from the off. And not only that, but getting involved in how he was planning the kidnapping. 
and building himself up to it. It was all incredibly original and and engaging. And but but opposite, I've read I've read read this opposite to what the Entertainment Weekly labelled the film as the twenty fifth scariest film in the world. That's what this is labelled as apparently. I never really found it all scary. It was more like intriguing than horrific, really. Yeah. And I think the most uncomfortable scene was us eventually seeing Saskia being kidnapped, really, because it was all building up to that. But other than that, watching our killer Raymond practice his techniques was just, it was obviously dark, but it was, it was kind of just original, and I enjoyed it just for that. Um, then the whole cat and mouse dynamic was was very well played too especially it's it's use of like the cinematography and the camera placement during the cafe scenes like when you see him up on the balcony oh and, so good and on that the table shot, yeah that was yeah. very well very well done so and good. even when he's like you see him draping that key ring just he's holding it in the background it's like <laughs> it's only for you to see it's like it's not even yeah. talked about that's very good and um but it's Here's ending it's ending even even after these three weeks, I'm still very undecided. I mean, like two minds of it. I'm, I I enjoy the blunt, like dark and like unforgiving final moments, but then at the same time, I'm I'm not sure it was, if it was a good enough payoff. I'm still not sure. Like, I think its ending might be the weakest part of the film. Everything leading up to it is better than its ending. I feel, but I'm hoping you can convince me otherwise. Because, regardless of that, it's a very solid eight out of ten. Joyful, 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 joyful. I'll take that. <laughs> okay, go um, on, Jamie. <clears throat> right, um, I've probably changed my mind a little bit about uh, about this film, um, and I think originally I did put it down as as a ten. Um, but I, I, I just felt maybe, maybe because I'm, I was watching it this, this time, thinking, oh, there's going to be other, fo- there's going to be other people scrutinising this, you know, I, I, my, my mark needs to be accurate. So, I was watching it from a more critical perspective, probably. And there's some things that, which I'll, i elaborate upon later, um, that I didn't like uh, as much with it. Um, I felt uh, there were some tonal sort of changes that were that didn't really work. Um, uh, and I'll, I'll speak about that later. Um, but the central sort of storyline, you know, and story is key in film, is really compelling, and it still is very compelling um, in, on rewatch. In fact, on a rewatch, I don't know if if you felt this, you were you are picking up quite a you know, there's, there's lettered with clues beforehand and you just yeah. get a bit more clued up into it about, about what they're sort of relating to. Um, so it's a sort of film that you, with such a dramatic ending, you'd think, well, that's a one-watch film, but you can you, you can watch it again and it, it, it gives you a different sort of experience. Mm. Um, so it's very compellingly told story of obsession. And I, I, I'm quite, I'm, I'm drawn to films that deal with you know obsession um as a theme i find that fascinating um you got sort of dual obsession because you've got rex's obsessive i would say fatalistic need for closure and then on the one hand then you got raymond's sort of equally obsessive exploration of his sociopathic urges on the other hand 
and it's these two forces coming mm. together, meeting. Um, and that sort of cat and mouse thing, I thought was thought that was really well handled throughout. Um, and I think the themes that they explores are just fascinating. Um, so you know, free will versus uh, determinism, fate and chance, things that you you talked about, Ben. Yes, that's exactly how I felt about it. Um, how how you know how Saskia's abduction is ultimately due to um, Raymond messing up. With the with the previous one, you know, and and how she is, um, she sort of uh, helps Raymond by actually by being so forward, and she is quite a sort of a you know childlike, innocent character in many ways, and it's that mm. sort of naivety that ends up uh, you know killing her essentially or contributing to it, um, and you know, I think you know Rex's character. Um, I mean, Raymond's character is, is 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 focused on more, and yes, you are really, you know, um, you are sh- sharing his view quite explicitly at key points. Um, be interested to see what you think about you know when we discuss it later on about Rex's character, whether you find that he is, whether you feel he is convincing as a character or not. Um, but you know, you can sort of argue that his his obsessive search is 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 compelling. And perhaps a tagline for the film should be "How far will you go to find out the truth?" You mm. know, because he mm. is he is willing to go. And he said, "What?" Um, I'll quote him: "I'm prepared to do anything. I need to know." Yeah. And so Raymond is the only one who can provide him with the answers. Mm. And it's and it's that those two worlds colliding. Yeah. Which is which is fascinating, um, but the view. I said tonal issues with it, um, and so uh, it's not a ten. I'm, I'm going to give it a nine. Very nice. I think that's, I can see that's that. fair. Yeah. I can yeah. see that coming. Preempting some of the stuff that we'll talk about, some of the negatives. I think a, a nine is fair, but that is not in any way. I wouldn't say any of us would say that is because the film is massively flawed. It's a really, really well done film for all the reasons that we said. And let's not forget this was '88. Mm. and I don't want to talk about the ending straight away but just one thing that occurred to me based on what you said Paul about the ending and this is what I thought at the time I kind of shared with the whole buried alive thing at the end a a kind of thing of oh is this how it's going to end but I feel like that's because we've seen buried alive films since yeah and in 88 you know buried and kill bill and uh, other such things they didn't exist so that would have been probably very original very unheard of and and yeah, well, we can talk about that that later, I suppose. Yeah. All right. Um, so we uh, think the best way to approach this episode is if we break this down into four sections. So just to give you guys context, hopefully everyone who's listening has, has watched the film. And if you haven't, you really should before you lis- listen to this one. But if you really don't want to and you want to listen, the film can be broken down into four sections, which is the first 25 to 30 minutes where... Uh, boyfriend and girlfriend husband and wife whatever you want to call them um are on this road trip together and then the woman goes missing we don't know why then the second part we see her eventual abductor and all his methodical preparations um that lead up to the eventual abduction of her and then we flash forward three years and see rex uh her long-suffering companion who's obsessed with the idea of finding her and uh raymond the abductor who 
becomes obsessed with Rex, who is looking for Saskia, and uh, their eventual face-to-face and final final drive, final journey together, which forms the final part of the film. So we're kind of going to tackle, break the episode down into those sections, I think, and just generally talk about the things that happen in those. Sounds like Sound a good, plan. boys? Sounds like a plan. Right, so let's, let's go for that first part then, where it's basically like, the bit before you even know what's going on, and their relationship and almost this kind of mystical element which is the bit that kind of i grasped onto about this golden egg like i found that really interesting is almost like she she had foresight into what was happening with the golden egg being i'm guessing the golden egg now is the coffin right mm-hmm. yeah yeah i found that really interesting an interesting element to the story yes it certainly was um <laughs> There's lots of things throughout the film that you could kind of read as the golden egg. Like Jamie said, when you rewatch it, there's lots of different things that appear at certain points and you go, right, it's there there the whole time. Mm. The coffin, yes, the two coins that are buried side by side beneath the tree at this at the early stage. Do you reckon that's a foreshadowing of what's probably going to happen to them too? Well, well, yeah, of course. That's yeah, it. Like two, two coins buried, buried. Yeah. Underground, side by side together, yeah. That's that's but, the but pure and love and cleanness, cleanliness of them. The two of them, the final lights that they that they both have, like her in the tunnel with the flashlight, him in the coffin with the the um, the lighter light, like that final yeah. that final light in the darkness. Um, I mean, yeah, coffins could be could literally be their final pictures in in the the wanted poster. Either way, I think the thing is, it's the two of them in isolation from mm. the rest of the world why because they are destined to die together in yeah. similar situations both abandoned in dark places you know but it's very fa- i agree the mysticism introduced early on is fascinating on that front you mentioned abandoned in dark places um of course rex is the first person to actually abandon saskia yes he he, 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 yeah. with, he leaves her when she's begging begging for him and she, he leaves her and as you're walking out you, you can really see that he's He's uh, he's do he's getting some sort of pleasure out of it as well because mm. you, see, you see a smirk on his face, um, and but the, I, I I agree with you that the, the, the tunnel serves as a sort of foreshadowing, um, you know it's uh, and when I f- when I first watched the film I thought that was when she was going to get t- kidnapped in the yes in, in the tunnel yeah yeah, yeah. Um, but. Um, yeah, it's, it's 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 another sort of uh, enclosed space, isn't it? When and she obviously feels sort of claustrophobic and trapped, and that foreshadow is what ultimately happens to her mm. in a much more horrendous way. Um, but she is essentially trapped and imprisoned in that in that location for a period of time, and Rex has abandoned her and left her. Yeah, and it is this that forms the sort of the crux of uh, you know later on when when uh, when she. Um, Promises. He has to make a promise never to mm. abandon her again. Mm-hmm. Go through with it. And <laughs> I, well, he, he, he's, he's certainly true to that word, isn't he? He does well. Mm. Well, I'd like to sort of speak to you about this. Whether you feel his his obsession, and I'm looking ahead later on, but I'm sort of I'm trying to sort of mark this as a point or discussion for later on. You know, is his obsession based around his guilt for what he did to her? In that abandoned in that first place, does he feel responsible partially for what happened to her? Um, mm. Is it genuine love, or 
is it more about his own sense that he needs to know? It's it's about his situation and how he wants emotional closure over. It's got nothing to do with whether he's going to find her or not. In fact, he, has he moved emotionally away from her? Mm. Can we just carry that so the, the, the girl he you see him with a couple of years later, so we jump ahead. Is that another girlfriend, yeah. or is that like his sister? Yeah. No, 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 no that, that, that's his, that's his yeah. current girlfriend. But he's clearly in love with her. Got so so many sort of issues. Yeah, yeah. he's unable to go. Because it was kind of one of those things. It's like if you had a new girlfriend like that, you might not be that hung up on it anymore. Like you've got to try and rebuild your life in this way. Adam's like, just move on. Well, you know, just I'm not saying move on. But if you're trying to build a relationship, she was very understanding almost like a sister would be rather than a new girlfriend would be it's like are you trying to build a new life with this person or are you still so hung up and so guilty on your that's own that's what life? I've, I thought he couldn't he couldn't let go that was the whole yeah, point absolutely. that's why she couldn't be with him yeah. well alright we'll get to that we'll get to that yes. it, it, when we when we get to that point in the future J- to pick up on what you're saying there, there Jamie about him that sort of smile on his face in these early stages it's very interesting that relationship between Rex and Saskia because Rex makes some strange decisions and behaves very oddly for the first half of of their their time together up until the point where they arrive at the petrol station yeah he smiles when he leaves her when he hears that she's like obviously scared and, and, and desperate he like the fact that she's doing her makeup in the mirror is offensive to him. He slams the mirror back up to, to the roof. When she's looking at the petrol gauge, he's like, don't worry about it. Like, just, just go back to your whatever. He's very dismissive of her. Um, he doesn't like her commenting on his driving or anything like that. So he really comes across as very unsympathetic, right? But then I was thinking, is, is the director just doing an incredible job of showing how guilt could really play a part in something like this happening, right? I only speak for myself. If on one, God forbid, Jenny or any loved one suddenly went missing today or tomorrow morning or something like that, and I played back the final moments, I would potentially linger on the things that could arbitrarily be considered. Oh, that's that's not very nice. When that's not not representative of the relationship, but because we saw those things in the film, we're like, oh well, he, he must be a bad guy. It's more complex than that. It is a very layered layered character i think i think we're just seeing a very realistic insight into a human relationship but it is interesting that the director chooses to show us those things normally we wouldn't see that yeah that is i think you're exactly right saying that this is he's almost drawn from this this one situation that they got themselves into but i i always i also love like this is how how layered this whole first segment is that i do still want to know their background like there is i feel mm. like there is some there's definitely something going on with um saskia and th- like there's something in their relationship that makes him feel this guilt and i love that because and i love that you don't know and it adds to this mysticism of the situation they got himself in and his drive to to want to find it and almost like Get, forgive himself for what for for letting her go and it wasn't mm. even him but it's just the situation that presented to us that makes us makes him feel this way i love that yes it's just very human it's a very it's, it's a very human relationship that we're seeing we all know like yeah you know basic script writing 101 would suggest let, present a really happy couple everything's going great teasing maybe they have an argument but they get it but it's it's minor it's over ah uh, i don't want to move to the city i don't want to have a baby you know that mm. 
mm. obvious shit. Mm. That's 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 exactly why I thought. What is this film about? Is this film about the relationship? Yeah. Because it's ne- it never normally happens like this. It's it's normally cut and dry. Someone loses their girlfriend. She's 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 just a nothing character. You're just chasing this this idea of a person, not an actual fleshed out character, which is what added mm. so much to this film. Yeah. And going back to you saying, Jamie, that you thought. Here in the tunnel, the first time you watched in the tunnel, this was where the abduction was going to be. Yes. And there are many false starts after that, aren't there? Mm. Like the first time that she goes into the petrol station as well and Raymond w- watches her. You're like, all oh, right, well, she's not coming out of there. And she does come out. There's another false start. So it, hap- it happens multiple times. And I'm there for that because it, it, can't, it, it, w- it works to your advantage. Like, oh, when's it going to happen? It's going to happen now. It's going to happen now. Even if you don't know anything about the film, you know the vanishing. So you're kind of like, oh, well she's probably going to vanish right yeah um i was going to ask but i i wrote this note before i went away but now i know the answer to it i was going to ask you guys why you thought we hear so much commentary on the cycling throughout the movie but particularly up front but now i think the answer is i don't know anything about tour de france so perhaps this is why i didn't get it but i think it's so that you know where you are chronologically in the film when it then flashes back afterwards i think my my take on that, and if you, um, it's actually useful that it's a subtitled film because those radio commentary comments, you know, you read them. Whereas mm. in an, in a in an English language film, you wouldn't necessarily uh, get the same sort of focus on it. Yeah. But the the language that was used is, is really focusing on essentially these the this this uh, obsessive nature within cycling itself and how um, ni- yeah. ni- neither is willing to back down yeah interesting and I, mm. and I, I, so I, I wrote um, I, sort of, I, I sort of linked this to the continuous commentary on the Tour de France two competitors so I view this as Rex and Raymond they are devoted to winning each mm. not willing to back down and it's a duel between two obsessive desires to win that's a much much better analogy and reason for the commentary yeah I never really thought much of it I thought it was just scene setting to be honest but then yes, it's because nothing it's constantly throughout just thrown out it, yes, it's, it's, it's very, very deliberate this is why you yeah. go to film school isn't it this is the type of stuff you pick up if you do that type of stuff there you go there you go young Adam it's never too late boy there is there is some very oddly placed things in this film though, as well that make me question everything like did you notice the ping pong balls when they yeah. fell out of the car and then later down the line you also see I can't remember where it is but you see ping pong again and it but you know what that is why because that ha- uh, Jamie correct me if I'm wrong because even on this rewatch it wasn't totally clear I believe that is the house that is Saskia's house that they were going onto yes but they never made it there yeah yeah wait what what's the house where where he where he goes and collapses on the grass going Saskia Saskia that is the house that oh, they were travelling to right. which they never made it to right Hence and that's taking why all the ping pong, pong balls yes yeah. right so that's which is why. again it's to the film's credit man just like you say something a little like that and they were like setting up that they were going to go off and do yeah. this thing this yeah. is why like I feel like it's a film you do need to discuss because like, again I would have completely ignored these little factors and now here we are yeah coaxing them down and sorting them out and that's why we're here it's very cleverly written and 
the mise-en-scene is very well placed. <laughs> well, it is. That's it. All of that stuff at the petrol station leading up to her going missing is tense because you know something's coming. And I think when the inevitable disappearance does happen, that is almost excruciating and unbearable to watch, even on a rewatch, because especially on a rewatch, when you know what's happened and you know how close Rex is to actually seeing her walking off with Raymond, because it's just the truck pulling in at the wrong moment. It's a little yeah, bit. As soon as I, I, saw I that do truck, find that it was one of those things. It's like you're, you obviously okay. So you know someone's going to go missing, and you see that scene happen. You're like, oh, mm. this is when it's happening now. So you're looking at everything. You're like that truck, that person who drove that truck. That's yeah, the you're looking who did at every it. car. Yes, that happened. All of that, and now I do find I don't know if I when I was talking about the things, some of the things I didn't buy with Rex. That's the only thing that was slightly not too much, not enough to detract from the movie. But I think it was slightly contrived that he just happened to be snapping a Polaroid at the moment she stepped out but you know mm, we forgive yeah. that because it's a film so you know I was going to ask you about that on a, on a rewatch do you see her in the background I tried to see her I couldn't she's did so you, blurred I don't think she, he's literally I don't think so. I think like that's what you meant to he's like that blur hair that, that's her there isn't it when it's I mean just... he was he was snapping the pick mm. as they came out so it's, it is very possible that he does have a glimpse of her in that that Polaroid but uh, on rewatch they don't shoot it so you see but you, see, but you see um um in frustration kick away the drinks yes yes that are run over by the car and it, yes. I, I like i like the sort of i like uh, that too and now uh, so you, you find out later on uh, a little bit more more about that um but the way that you have the cause and effects but they're sort of the other way around isn't yeah mm-hmm. very well done and it's almost you don't you find out from the the cashier doesn't she say it's a, a coke and a beer Mm. so you know yeah. and then you see yes. like, oh see so you yeah. see him kick it you're like oh you just kicked away the evidence yeah, yeah. <laughs> you know she's gone at that moment it's like she's gone she's not even holding her drinks anymore you know what was very human in that scene at that time when he's when when he when panic set in and he's well aware that that something heinous has happened and he goes into the manager's office and they're they're sat down and he says well, whoever, whoever it is, she was getting a coffee. Whoever it is, put a coin in the coffee machine. We'll just run all the prints on the coins. And the guy's like, I, how ludicrous. But you know, <laughs> if you were in that situation, you probably would. Yeah, you would yeah. try and grab onto what you could control in that situation. Yeah, 100%. I mean, that is, it's, you said it wasn't scary, Paul. And it, it, I don't find it scary in that traditional sense, no. But the, the idea of that is horrifying. The yeah, idea of, of something like that happening is, is a very real world scary this could happen scary mm. i just Very don't for, I, I think i think most people were responding to um the killer as the scariest thing do you well, think yeah mm, jamie take us into this almost. next section then because this next section we're about to focus on the killer jamie you're about to respond to paul's comment right let's talk about raymond now it's a situation oh. for me sorry quickly it's the situation that's the scary part it's like He's already obviously on guard after what happened before. She's making sure he's on guard. And he goes to a situation where he thinks he's perfectly safe. And he lets his guard down even into that moment. And that's when it happens. It's like... It's such a... His guard was never up, though. No. Well, I feel like he, he was always I looking think... out. He was always looking out, wasn't he? But... Mm, I don't think so. I don't think you're ever aware that that thing's going to happen to you. So I don't think your guard's ever up for that situation. Mm. And for the fact that he's walked away from it in that tunnel, I don't think he's like really worried about what happens to her at that moment mm. 
that's why he just lets her walk off and get the, the drinks. Anyway, Jamie, go ahead. Right. Okay. So I'll, I'll ask this one question. I, I will say I, I will say some of Raymond later on, but I wanted to ask you guys: Is Raymond a genuine sociopath or serial killer? Or how would you categorize him as a, as a? We knew this was going to come up. We because spoke have, about this in have, the Patreon episode. Oh, did you? Okay, then. <laughs> no, we didn't even get, we didn't get into it because we knew that we we're going to have to get okay. into it in the episode, and we didn't actually speak together about what we thought. So we knew something we are, would come we, up, but yeah, we didn't have the discussion. We're speaking okay. fresh about this. Okay. I personally think he is a psychopath because I think he's he is very cold, calculated. He has a plan. He knows what he's doing. It's all. He has no no remorse or any empathy for. Well, actually, there is moments. There is. I think he does. So, ba- so basically, anyway, uh, for those who are patrons, you'll hear us dissect the difference between sociopath and psychopath for about forty minutes afterwards. So we won't trail over that. But in a nutshell. The difference we seem to strike between a psychopath and a sociopath was that a psychopath was very cold, calculated, meticulously planned things, whereas a sociopath was a little bit more emotional, volatile, has trouble planning things, and just reacts to to, to situations in, in an extravagant way. And the fact that he later defines himself as a sociopath was interesting, because I never even considered that, Jamie, until you brought it up as a patron topic. And I thought, oh, interesting that Jamie's chosen sociopath, because mm-hmm. I thought, does he actually refer to himself as a sociopath in this film? He does. He actually says in the car later, he, he says, if you look in the medical journals, you, you, will, you will find me described as something, something sociopath. That's something uh, psychopath in the new medical journal. <laughs> There's something a psychopath is yeah, to, to differentiate. But he doesn't fit the, f- the full criteria of a sociopath. But he doesn't fully fulfil the criteria of a psychopath either. Mm. We did we did border these certain characters as well. We were discussing, like, mm. Hannibal Lecter and... Who else would we say? That we Batman. weren't too sure. There was, there was certain elements where... No, Batman is a sociopath. Um... There's certain elements where it doesn't all, it doesn't fit into both categories. There's there's like a boundary. There's a blurring, like yeah. Balancing on the fence between them both. Yeah, I mean, I, I think um, it's interesting because uh, if you look at uh, how how we came up with this in the first place, it, it all it all sort of originates from uh, when he you get a, a, an early experience where he where he jumps into the river. And saves saves that save that person, and then uh, his his daughter is, is, is you know uh, oh you you're my hero, and and uh, and he he says well you know um, if 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 I can do this act of heroism, you know I, I you know I, I'm capable of this act of heroism. On the one hand, am I capable of extreme evil as well? So he hmm. he 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 views it almost like as he, he's a science teacher, he, he views it almost like an experiment. You know, can uh, am I am I capable of this? Mm. Um, Which is it, more it, of a sort of psychopath I'd thing, say right? So. I would, I would, I would say so. Yeah, um, and with hand, but then he's so sort of meticulous, and um, some of it is really quite dark, really, isn't it? When you think about it, when, mm. when he when he tests tests it on his daughter at one point. Oh, so dark! That's mm, really that's, dark. 
It's when he uh, picks her up from the is it train station he picks her up from? Yeah. 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 It's just and like, it's so, oh, come on, man. So in order... How do you blur those boundaries? That's like almost like Peter. I know, kind of I know. Shit. It's hugely uncomfortable. And it was so I mean, quick. I, he would he would probably rationalise it as, well, I'm never I'm not gonna do anything to my daughter, I'm just testing I'm using her as a dummy in this situation. Mm-hmm. But here here just um just so we have it for context, here is the list of things that, uh, that Raymond does as prep. So he plants spiders in an outside table drawer to test how far the screaming can be heard. Mm-hmm. Uh, he chloroforms himself to test the time he's unconscious for and then equates that with the distance slash mileage he can cover. Mm-hmm. He practices in what I think is a very darkly humorous scene. He practices the handling of the hanky and the bottle of chloroform and his movements outside and around the car. There's a very uncomfortable line of humor that runs un- yes. underneath that that scene throughout. <laughs> That's what um, how I feel. Yeah. He checks his pulse rate throughout. He practices English amongst other languages, saying key phrases that will help getting assistance, hitching his trailer to his car. A scene Jamie doesn't like. We'll find out why shortly. Um, <laughs> The uh, the family pictures, as you say, that the whole thing of jumping into the water and then if I can do this, what else can I do? If I can save a life, can I can I take a life? Although that's not strictly true. And then little coincidental things like the presents that are bought for him, then helping with the final thing with with Saskia. Um, not to mention all his not failed, but like example test abductions where he encounters women in the wild and it and it. Uh, but and yeah, and um, while we're focusing on his character, I mean. What is interesting is you know, you do um, find out a lot more about Raymond than you do with Rex. Yeah. yeah. Um, what about his? Uh, what what is what is what is the turning point in his childhood that gets him to think that he is able he has more control over his life than? Yes. So we have the scene where he is standing on the balcony, leaning out, and he realizes that he wouldn't like destiny is that he wouldn't. Mm-hmm. jump of course not so he decides well what actually if i do and mm. then he does and then in a very confusing what line we find out he broke his arm and lost two fingers his words he has all his fingers yes <laughs> yes <laughs> something what does he psych- mean by this something a psychopath would do lie <laughs> Good I'll point. I, I, I didn't pick up on that <laughs> um, but if he if he hadn't done that then you see how it's sort of linked together Mm. That sort of act, of how how he's able to sort of com- compel himself to do that, uh, enables him to then jump off and save. Yeah, jump the off the bridge later on. Yeah, I, th- this was the stuff. This was the strongest stuff in the entire film for me. Not just these these scenes where you see this happening, but how it then plays into that larger ideology of these tiny little things that happen in life some of it some of it planned some of it inconsequential then culminating in one entirely different act where if just one of those pieces mm-hmm. hadn't hadn't happened it could have mm-hmm. changed everything such as had he not jumped from that balcony way way back of course it set set off a ca- an avalanche of events but had he not his arm would never have been in a cast so a picture would never have been taken so it never would have been presented as a birthday present which he looks at and then realizes oh it's not the it's not the trailer and the car that needs to be weak it's me that needs to be weak I never even realised I didn't really pick up on that at the time yeah. to be honest well, yeah. so he does the old Ted Bundy the te- exactly that yep. yeah and yep. then used again in Silence of the Lambs mm-hmm. by Buffalo Bill that's how he gets her into the car mm-hmm. arm in a sling this, see, this whole segment is my favourite part yeah yeah it is I would so, say so it is so interesting you never get this this side to a murder mystery it's the never opposite. i was trying to think when do you ever have that in a film yeah. i can't think of one. it would be the reveal at the end and it showed like the steps 
but this is before you even you even know what's happened to her. This yeah. is before mm-hmm. the event's even taken place, and it's the building up to it. As you said, I found it quite humorous when he was yes. doing doing the chloroform on the, on the thing and practicing at the time. Oh, that wasn't quick enough. It was yes, it was very disturbing when he quickly the jolt of his arm going round his door. That was a pretty pretty weird. Yeah. Um, but totally interested, so captivating. See, this is for me. Sorry, where this is where the film. This is that kind of that crossroads of where we're talking about here. For me, the film It's like all this build up. The first was in forty five minutes, maybe fifty minutes of this film. It's so interesting. It's so well done. Every every movement is almost perfect. And then the kind of he kidnaps her, and then we have the bit with Rex afterwards. And I think it's only really the cafe scene, and then till he gets picked up at the very end again. There's like that kind of. In my opinion, looking back on the film now, it felt like the last hour dragged on quite a bit. But talking to you guys now, this is why I feel like I need to talk about it again. I don't remember that last section being so long, and the bits that I thought were long and dragged out probably didn't even exist actually. Because the cafe scene, I remember being extremely well done again. That kind of brought me back to the beginning bit of like that where they're playing with each other. I think you've got about. I think it's probably about 20 minutes between that cafe scene and then and then Raymond and Rex meeting. And I know I can see I could see it's just like not so really many really well bit. done. It maybe goes back to like what you think about Inglorious Bastards in some ways though. Those scenes when Hans Gruber's on not Hans Gruber. No, that's Hans Die Gruber? Hard. Uh, Hans Lander. Lander. Hans yes. Lander. Hans Gruber's um, fucking Die Hard. Die Hard. <laughs> yeah. Um those moments when he's on is just brilliant cinema and when he's not the film kind of like you said it kind of, you feel like it dials down for you and that's what it kind of felt here you kind yeah. of you're just waiting and waiting waiting and it was that like the moment up until we, she got like you you see her getting kidnapped almost well you know she's gone and then you find out why and exactly how he planned it all that's fantastic that's brilliant yeah but then it's the bits surrounding this and then you've got the scene in the cafe again which was good but again but it's probably only like five minutes long wasn't it that scene in the cafe and then you've got the whole car at the end but the car at the end, you're kind of like almost begging for him to just get to the end of it and just like. Oh, well, look revenge. now. Yeah, but wait. Well, we're not going to jump forward. We, get, that onto, bit, we get onto that bit, but I think that's but what I'm, I'm just point. saying. This is where the crossroads for me happened. It's like everything's so good, and then it kind of just. It was on like 11, and now you're down to like 5. I can yeah. get I can get that. I can. It, it, I can um, the, it, the tension and the interest levels are dialed back a little bit once you get to a little more focus on Rex. Mm. in the present day if you want to call it the present day because you've seen you've had the mystery of the first act and then you've had the intrigue of the second act the third act is well we kind of at this point kind of know generally the circumstantial stuff so now rex needs to be compelling enough but i feel this this whole this segment is fantastically played raymond is so adamant about placing himself in the situation that rex is trying to find find her and just seeing him lurking in the background, just just seeing him talking to his friends, like, oh, you know, it's like he's this, he's he's what did he say to the the colleague? Can't remember what he said now. He says he says this guy th- this guy and his posters he won't let up. Yes, that's it. Yes, I, yes. I mean, he he is placing himself in danger, isn't he? Yes, Engage, he is. He almost wants this. to be caught. Yeah, but, or, or, but or, I think he knows he can't be. But yes, that's the thing. He's I, trying to tease it. He's trying to tease it because he wants the thrill. Mm. Yeah, that's a good point. Yes, um, and I, I think that's it, it's it's. Uh, um, but I, I, he, he's also, I think, he he does genuinely sort of admire his obsession. Is he? Mm. The, the, it's in some way the 
you know, different sides of the same coin that yes. way. Yes. And, and, and how obsessive they can get. Yes. Um, and he's drawn to that, and he's and. I like this. I like this uh, thing that you've said about this this cycling, Jamie, and why we hear this this commentary because yeah, all the cyclists obsessed. They want they they're competing, but they're essentially doing the same thing. That like resonates even harder now when you think about this sort of like, mm. kind of like the reason that Raymond keeps teasing Rex out is because yes he's enjoying that but it, 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 there is almost like an admiration there in a way of like mm. well I admire that this guy is, has this undying pursuit and he's willing mm. to sacrifice so much for the truth sacrifice everything yeah. uh, for, for, for closure mm. um, and I love that scene where he, 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 he lures him to the cafe doesn't he and even, even another thing him just trying to insert himself into the investigation and that shot of panning round and it's everything's out of focus and it's panning round and you're like where is he where is he he's got to be somewhere <laughs> where is he and you just see him tidy up in the balcony doesn't even acknowledge it you just and he's like there he is there he is brilliant so well played and then he it walks down well and done. you just see him walk down in the background and comes places himself in a seat next to next to his seat oh, it's very well played but, really well played but i think what makes him this sort of unnerving character is because he he looks so innocuous. You know, there's mm. there's, there's nothing about him really. You know, he, he's a he's a family man. Uh, he's well educated. You know, he's a he's a teacher. You know, all, all teachers are very stable individuals, obviously, aren't they? You know. Oh so, yeah, absolutely. Yeah. <laughs> so you know, uh, role models, etc. So yeah. um, <laughs> so he's a uh, he. And, and and I think perhaps that that's that's where they're sort of uh, I'm I'm going I'm to go for a bit of a, a Lynchian sort of, uh, sort of reference here, you know how how Lynch always sort of um, he can sort of see that see the sinister sort of uh, under under underside. You got you got your on the surface. You got your, you got your family man. You've got your. Uh, White picket, sort of. Uh, you know, he's, mm. he, he's 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 a comfort, comfortably middle class, isn't he? Mm. Um, and uh, you know, educated. Everything seems fine on the surface, but underneath, he's yep. got this. He's got this evil lurking within him. That's yeah. just just waiting to. Uh, it yeah. just it just reminds me of um, like Ted Bundy. He's he's just like he looks. He's so normal, classic psychopath, and he. Everyone saying, "Oh, but he he's, he was such a nice guy, you know, such mm. a normal guy." And it's like you'd never expect this person. This person mm. could be anyone, just the walking around you, that anything, lurks yeah, just lurking. Yeah, very you know good. I mean? and, and that that and that's what makes him, um, yes. really chillingly effective. Yes, although he still looks mm. like a goofball, <laughs> a little bit like well, a goofball. I, I, I think the thing is the it's beard. The beard. It's yes. the beard. It's just hilarious. It's, I was just laughing yes. at it. Yeah. That's the anomaly. I would think if that's the, his one, well, not error because it never got him caught. But if anyone was to say, "Oh yeah, she left with a man. Oh, what did he look like? Well, he had this really distinct beard that really picks him out of a crowd. Not many people walk around with that bloody beard." Doesn't he change his facial hair after? He gets a bit shorter, doesn't it? Something it's the changed. Same. His appearance has changed slightly. I'm sure. Glasses. He, he the glasses come on and off sometimes. Mm. I thought it's like with his hair. The cast different. comes on and off. Yes. 
I also like the uh, little other other scenes, like when uh, he just happened to be in that footage with his daughter, the news footage, you know, when oh, the yes. news reporter saying somewhere in this crowd could be. A he killer. stands out so much. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> it's like you can see he's there. Look, that guy with a child. Yeah. <laughs> um, just so here's the thing: why does Rex, once we get to this part of the movie, refer to Saskia as his friend? He must be with his new girlfriend. Yeah. Is that the reason? Yeah, yeah. I think it could could be, yeah. Perhaps he he doesn't want to Mm. offend his his current girlfriend. Right, okay. But also also it could be sort of indicating that, as I suspected earlier, he has sort of emotionally moved on from her as his his lover. And uh, and he's now, he just wants to know what happened to her. Mm. Yeah, As, and it could be a, a, a result of his guilt or whatever. But, uh, so you saying this? I didn't actually consider this thing of him like being emotionally removed from it and just wanting an answer. But this actually makes a lot more sense based on his personality in that in that first half hour. Mm. That plays a lot more into it. Like they, we don't really see compassion or or, or too much love no. from him. Yeah, we see some puppy love, but nothing that f- really feels deep or genuine. Yeah. So this makes a lot more sense that it actually just becomes a pursuit for the answer. Yeah. He, he wants he wants emotional closure, mm-hmm. and he will go to whatever extent he has to to get it. Yeah, it's turning to an obsession. Yeah, yes. and this is the this is slightly. I think it must be the reason why the. I don't think it was convincing enough. Maybe because I don't. When it got to the end, I was like, "Was that it?" I'm not. I'm not sure whether it was the fact that I didn't believe his pursuit. Or maybe the ending just isn't. Maybe it's just the ending that didn't suit me. But there was something missing from that. You want it more whole, almost like where she actually. Was. I don't know. But then, I know Jamie brought brought. He, he's going to bring this up soon about the. I won't say it yet. I will let Jamie bring up the uh, the ending to the American version. Mm. <laughs> yeah. But, but I think, like, so for context, for those of you who haven't watched the film for your sins. The the final thirty forty minutes culminates in this drive where where Rex finally meets the the man who knows what happens to Saskia. They go on a car journey from Amsterdam to France, and all along the way, Raymond is telling Rex his backstory, his backstory, what happened, how he got to where he was on that that fateful day, and then it culminates with them both returning to the petrol station, the scene of Saskia's disappearance. We see what happened to her. And then he says to Rex, if you want to know what happened next, you will drink this. What is in it? It's coffee. It's spiked with a sleeping pill. I won't tell you what happened to her, but you will experience what happened to her. And now at this moment, this is a wonderful moment in both cinema and as a, as a just question about life. Because cinematically it works. Ironically, knowing what I know, and I'm not going to steal your thunder, Jamie, but knowing what I know about the American remake ironically it works because of that need for closure and a nice rounded ending to have an answer which is satisfying to go okay and then it's also horrifying because at that moment in time cinematically you are forced to answer the question do i want to know Mm. and in real life do would you would you want would you want the answer at that moment Mm. you, you often hear of families of uh you know, victims, um, and you know, one of the worst things is not having 
closure, not having that, not knowing, mm. you know, having a, you know, a loved one who is uh, kidnapped and, you know, there's no body, there's, no, there's, there's, there's nothing to, to really sort of enable them to have that emotional closure. It's something mm. that can eat away at that individual. Um, so it's a horrendous thought. Yeah, That's, absolutely. Yeah. So uh, you, you on one on one level you can sort of see, uh, in many ways Rex becomes the audience sort of uh, uh, surrogate. You know, you you, you 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 are seeing things through Rex's perspective, and Rex wants to know. You want to know. Or there's there's there's, <laughs> there's a side of you that's you know, do do I really want to know? Because mm. Raymond has made it very clear that killing her is not the worst thing that he can do. Thank you. I'd forgotten to bring that up. What? It's, well, okay. So, I think so, it's just so, a curse. So, so, I mean, he, he, basically, Rex knows that's, that she's, she's dead. He does know yeah. that. Um, yeah. Raymond's basically told him. But he's so gone by that point. He's, this is, you know, he's... He's 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 lost his mind basically by this point. He he needs to know, and it's he's and gone gone, gone yeah point. he's gone to such an extreme. And I think uh, Raymond knows he's he's got him. You know yeah. <laughs> he knows he's. Well, I'm just going to wind you in now. Yeah. Um, and and that's when you know one very effective shot, and you get quite a few of these. Is so we are at the end now. Um, so when when. Uh, Rex is doing this sort of mad <laughs> run, oh, yes. yeah, yeah, running around as the thunder crashes above <laughs> lightning, thunder and lightning. Thunder. It's very Heathcliff on the Moors stuff. Yeah. <laughs> and then he, he takes a drink, um, throws you know, throws out the windshield, um, and then you you are you are seeing it from Raymond's, Raymond's perspective. perspective. It's mm. like you have become the killer. Yeah. Um, or you are you are um, from that perspective at that point, and then when he comes in and he says, and he basically delivers the same line that uh, Raymond told him earlier about why he jumped. Social constraints or whatever just told me that I wouldn't do it, so I did. So I did. Uh, so I did. Yeah. yeah. Mm. Um, so then that's again that's showing that they are so so close together. They are. They are yeah, one in the same in many on ways. The same. On the same yeah. path. Yeah. Um, but I, I, my personal feeling it, it would have been even more. I mean, the shot after that, you see uh, Raymond. Just a shot, just a couple of seconds shoveling. Of, of him shoveling. Yeah. You know. Does does it need that shot of uh, Ray, uh, Raymond doing the shoveling? The, I, I no, don't think I it don't does. Think it does. I think just a, just a cut right to that, and then yeah, it would just have even more of it. Um, but it is it is a chilling ending. Well, well I think it's very. Uh, if you've got any sort of fear of claustrophobia or anything like that, that would be just It'd be horrible, horrible experience. Mm. But it's a, also so inevitable. It like, is. You know the pursuit is going to end there. Yeah. 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 It's like you you know something is about that. It's just a question of you know mm. that. But but that that makes it horribly compelling as well. Uh, yeah. Absolutely. I think in in if I was in that situation, I would need to know. Mm. If I was presented with exactly the situation Rex was in, I don't know exactly how. Well, I even would to the extent act, of knowing that you're probably going to die to know the answer. But the thing is, there is, is a chance. What he's chosen. He's chosen 
to know the answer over his new girlfriend. I, 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 his new I life. think he's, he's, he's lost all sort of perspective on that rational sort of thought True. at that point he's, he's gone beyond he's yeah didn't you see his uh, 80s computer screen change to yes. Saskia's name in front of him in yes. a very weird 80s yes this is a mental breakdown represented on an 80s computer <laughs> <laughs> I was thinking I was thinking that I was thinking is this not a mystical thing what's going on this yeah bit? That was his breakdown. It reminded it? me of the moment in Ghost when Patrick Swayze is typing his name repeatedly over and over on the computer screen. <laughs> it's very, very eighties tech stuff. <laughs> I, I think the the obsession and the compulsion at that stage become. I mean, anyway, the the idea that you could have FaceTime with the person who mm. holds all the answers to something like that is incredulous. One, here's the scene that I really didn't. Not that I didn't like, but I didn't get, and I felt this was pointless in an otherwise like movie that was very precise about why it was including scenes they stop and have a conversation about french and dutch names for a prolonged period of time the two the two raymond and rex and it's just like back and forth about how names are Don't remember in that. france and, and no it's yeah very strange and i i was trying to work out what significance does this have and i could not get it not enough to warrant its own entire scene. That would have taken up a day's worth of filming. Mm. But I couldn't work out what significance that had in the film. Was it trying to show how, despite the situation they were in, these two men still needed to stretch their legs and just have a conversation about nothing? Didn't quite quite feel right for me. I don't remember it. <laughs> so obviously, obviously it was not mm. needed. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, uh, there must have been a, a reason for it, but I, I, can't, I can't work it out. Mm. The interesting thing, just to go back to um, his decision to drink the Kool-Aid, as they say. <laughs> um, I, before you said the line just then about you, you will experience what she experienced, I didn't remember that. And I, I read it as that, that... Obviously, I had an idea that maybe he was walking into his, his own demise... But I had the idea that maybe he was going to show him, but he wasn't going to show him where it was. Uh. So I wasn't. Sh- like I was. I was on the on the fence of. Oh, is he going to die now, or is he actually is he going to show him? But he's not going to. He has to like give himself up to him to be able to show him. But mm. yeah, he's that. That kind of makes that makes the ending better knowing that line, because then it's yeah. almost like giving himself up, the pursuit to find to find her is bigger than his life basically yeah well that's it it, it, had, yeah. it had ultimately taken over his life yeah and it oh you know it's like he needs to know to the point where he goes to that extreme mm. and what he, he says <laughs> i'm prepared to do anything yeah I need and even, to know. even to the point where he's literally he's not even going to be in the same place she is he's, he's literally going to be on his own just like she was and go out exactly the way that she went out mm-hmm. apparently do you know you said at the beginning did she die yeah what did you mean so the only reason I say that is a okay well if we hold him at his word that he has literally done to Rex what he did to Saskia then fine but we don't actually as audience members know definitively that that happened I I I I think I'm pretty implied I'm pretty sure there's a camera move where in that very final scene might be a little bit before that where the camera lingers 
on a gra- <laughs> on on a on a ground shot level shot indicating that she's there. Is that with the back of the car, isn't it? Maybe is it towards? It kind of pans out to the balls of the back. Yeah, of Yeah, that. Fi- the, so the final shot of the movie is his his wife coming to water what looks like two newly planted sort of trees on fresh earth. Mm. She waters them. He's sitting on the bench outside the house, staring at them. But a great choice by the director because the director positions the camera where the graves are, so he's actually staring down at the camera, and it holds his gaze. That's what struck me it holds his gaze and then it goes pans down as if you can't we can't bear to look at you anymore now yeah I mean, and then I, it goes to that I, paper I, I in think the back. It, i think it's strongly implied but I, I like that sort of how it's not it doesn't go yeah, any we, further than that in the remake <laughs> make a few points yeah go remake. for this <laughs> in the remake okay so his the the girlfriend in the remake is so much more a part of the film, um, to the point where, uh, so Kiefer Sutherland plays uh, the the Rex part, um, and his girlfriend uh, has a much bigger role to the point where she actually ends up searching for him when he disappears. So she, there's another element of sort of you know searching, above. so so she becomes like Rex, you know, mm. but. Um, so she actually tracks him down. So he does. He does. He does get. You know, he is in the in the, in the coffin at the end, but she saves him. She and she kills Raymond, and and saves. Give us something. Sounds too polished. And then absolutely after, horrendous. And then after it's so Hollywood. And then after. Mm. Um, he's walking out, and he sees. He sees the, the grave of it. It's, it's Sandra Bullock who plays the. Yeah. Right. He sees the grave. And Everything's wrapped up in a little so boat. He knows, and then yeah. you know that she's definitely there. So yeah, it's it's made crystal clear in the remake that he kills. Her I don't too. like the idea that he they kind of win. I kind of like the idea that the killer wins in this film. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, that, yeah, that's kind absolutely. of what works. And, and, uh, it's almost uh, like the normal person wouldn't stand a chance against this man who is this methodical in the way he wants to kill somebody. Absolutely, mm. and uh, it's much more true to life as well, isn't it? You know. Um, yeah. Evil does, uh, you know, uh, succeed Prevail. from time to time. You know, it's not it's not realistic to think you that you kind of accept gets... it in your action films, where a normal guy can beat yeah. up an army. But in this yeah. kind of film, it's kind of so serious; it needs to feel like it could happen to you, and therefore the guy yeah. has to win. Unfortunately, yeah. that's kind yeah. of the only way it really works. I, I can I happily think... say that I prefer the uh, original version over the American version. Oh, I hope so. Yeah. <laughs> Don't even have to watch it to know. Yes. What's interesting though is that isn't it Jeff Bridges who plays the killer in the remake? Correct. Yes. I don't know how they were with, with a really in the 90s with a really bizarre accent as well. <laughs> no yeah. really. Yeah. It feels like it would almost be the other way because it feels I don't know maybe I'm just thinking of it from 21st century lenses but it feels like Kiefer is the odd, oddball who would be the killer and Jeff Bridges would be the handsome lead. I think you're thinking of Melancholia his sociopathic ways in Melancholia. Yes, this is true. <laughs> um, I haven't seen Melancholia, so... Very I'll, good. I'll, 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 no, or is it Phone that. Booth as I'm, well, where he's kind I'm, of a... I'm going to watch it. Is it Phone uh, Booth? Yeah, Phone Booth uh, as well. Buried, yeah. you're thinking yes. of. Yeah, he, oh, no, he is in Phone Booth, sorry, he, yeah. He is, yeah, he's he's the, he's the killer. Yeah. He's mm. a cool um, one. <laughs> I think uh, there are quite a few similarities with Seven. Mm-hmm. Yeah. You know? 
uh, things I sort of uh, um, want to draw attention to, and I, I, and at the same time, I'll explain why I didn't like that scene. Okay. There, uh, right. Okay. So when 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 Raymond is, um, he, he, so he's at that point. Are we to think that he is now changing tactics and he's and he's targeting, uh, he's targeting, targeting uh, you know, um, British. Uh, tourists, I presume. Is that is that yeah. why he's why he's doing that? So he's he is uh, uh, rehearsing. You see him rehearsing. Come yeah. up with this yeah. sort of. Uh, will you att- will you attach it? And it's it's it's, pres- it's it makes him look like a bit of a fool. Mm, yes, and it, you know, it brings that humour element back but, into but it. I, th- I think the humour is misplaced. Mm, okay, I can get that. And yeah. I, I I don't think. I mean. Apart from that, he is a very sort of sort of chilling sort of character, and then mm. putting in that strange scene of, um, I think the other scene when he's when he's when he's preparing and you've got that strange jaunty music and it, you know, that works in a darkly humorous way, but mm. when he cut when he when he when he's when he's rehearsing those lines, you know, it, it makes him look foolish, um, yeah. well for a character who's so sort of in control of everything. Um, True, and um, if you sort of compare it to Seven, um, there are a couple of flashes of humour in Seven, but it's done in a way that doesn't take away from the tone and 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 how and how sort of darkly sinister John Doe is as a character. So yeah. the one scene I that, that I recall for that is uh, I hope you say what I think you're going to say when when they when they when they're taking him out. In, in, in the in the car at the end, um, and you see a dead animal, dog, dog yeah. is it? Yes, I didn't do that, <laughs> and it, it, it's yeah. funny, but it, it works so well. But yeah. it works. It, it, it doesn't. It doesn't sort of sort of make his character into a fool. It it, it, it works well. Mm-hmm. You know, it's 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 needed. It's 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 it's, it's earned relief, um, but doing it in the vanishing. Dis, does a dis, you know, disservice to his character. Another another point of comparison between this film and another favorite film of mine, Seven, is uh, the, the the concept of theme of fate and chance. Um, so in Vanishing, you have um, you know, the, the, the the scene uh, we mentioned before, so I won't say too much about it. Um, how it is up to sort of fate that Saskia is is is, is taken. Um, it's you know the cruel sort of you know twist of fate. Um, I really like how that uh, uh, you know played played a success you know significant role in the vanishing. And then similarly, how you know a film like Seven, if you think about it, um, and I'm sort of focusing from sort of, again, it's from from the killer's perspective how things change um, um, and, and and destiny is something that's not necessarily in your control as as a character. Um, he um, the John Doe character in Seven he needs David's wrath. Mm-hmm. Um, so at that point, you know, my, you know, he's 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 got his sort of seven deadly sins in mind, and this has been going on for a long time. You know, one character has you know is a sloth character is been tormented for over a year so he's been planning this for some time and but he doesn't know how it's going to end he doesn't know how all the 
pieces are going to fit together. Um, and so in many ways you think because he's such an angry character, he's angry at the world. You know, he, 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 wants, he wants to make this sort of, sort of moralistic point. You think, well, he's going to be, he's going to be wrath, isn't he? But mm. as soon as he meets David, as soon as he's a, he's a photographer, isn't he? And he take and uh, right. and then David sort of uh, 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 attacks him. Yeah, yeah. It's at that point he said, "Right, I've got, you. I've, I've got you. You're going to be my wrath, mm. all right." And then also, at the same time, his his I don't think he's married. I think the is it anyway? Um, Gwyneth Paltrow's character. He is he is going to be envious of her, okay. So it all it all, it all works together. But it is yeah. it is fate. It is it's fate and destiny that he meets David at that point. That's right, and yeah. that changes his plan. Yeah, mm-hmm. just the same in the vanishing. It's fate that he sneezes into the chloroform, and I think yeah. at that point when he takes it off. And he's sort of he's he's in the bathroom. He's almost like laughing at himself, isn't he? Yeah. At that point, you almost think he's going to give up, isn't he? Yeah, he's going to walk he's away from say, this one. Yeah, yeah. yeah. I'm, I'm not I'm not cut out for this. And then Saskia approaches him, and it's almost like he can't believe so what's happening at that point. Yeah. There's yeah. just a series of things that are falling into his lap. Yes. Constantly rewatching. Like, oh my god! You got so, like you thought just like if you didn't know he had taken her in the first place, the bit where you think she's got away with it, you'd have been relieved. But the fact yeah. that you kind of know she's almost gone by that point, it kind of is mm. a bit like it hurts. It's another kick in the bollocks, almost, isn't it? It's mm-hmm. the, you think you almost could have got away with it. You don't know how lucky you were to just driving off into that sunset. And I, th- I think it's a it is actually a good performance from the the actor who Sasuke at that point. I'm not necessarily convinced with her throughout the film, but mm. in that scene, I think she's really she plays really it very good. well. Yeah, really good. And how but she's trying know, to speak French as well, yes. so it kind of works in the scene because yes. there's a, an assumed power dynamic where she's seeking approval from him based yes. on her how well she speaks French as well. So she's trying, mm. so it makes sense that he would yes. encourage her along as well. well he's, he's, a, he's a teacher by profession as well. Oh my so God, it's, it's my it God, all, yes, it all works. This <laughs> <laughs> doesn't shine, just doesn't shine a good light on teachers. No, it definitely doesn't. <laughs> Just to pick up something you said there, uh, Jamie, about him sneezing into the chloroform. The first time it happened, I didn't actually really clock exactly what had happened there because his sneeze was weird. So I didn't really understand that it was a sneeze. And then we played it back and I was like, all right, he sneezed into it. Why does sneezing into it change his plan? Because the chloroform is still there. He didn't run away because he'd breathed in the chloroform. It was still going to your system, wouldn't it, and fuck you up? But, it, I mean, he, he sort of excused himself, went into the bathroom and was washing his face. Are we to think that he inhaled it and he was running there quickly before well, it had an effect? He's not sure, Pop. Maybe, maybe he's right. not sure. he's not he's, sure. So yeah. he goes to the bathroom and he's probably sort of, you know, splash of water in the face or whatever, something like that. He's not sure. And by that point, of course, where she's gone. It's like if so. you put poison in your mouth but you didn't swallow it, you spit it out yeah. and you run to the bathroom straight away to try and get rid of it, wouldn't you? Yes. The whole hitching the trailer thing, like you, uh, I mean, I I wasn't too bothered by him learning the languages so that he could use that line. But on the rewatch, it struck me like you're standing in the middle of a really busy place and you're asking, not to be sexist, listeners, I'm not, but you're asking so women (laughs) to help you when there are plenty of men nearer, probably, because you've gone inside... A petrol station. Mm. He's and he's like, "How did your trailer get over there when you're over there?" 
Yes. It doesn't make sense. You'd be like, straight away, the whole situation is just weird. Yeah, it was almost like that was a bit of an oversight from him and like he was just trying to make that final connection. And lastly, this is my actual last point on the film, I think, overall. There's a scene where he's in the city and he approach no he doesn't even approach a woman she approaches him and she's the teacher of his oh, daughter yes. and they have this exchange back and forth where he where oh, yeah, she weird. quickly realizes that he's not quite right and says to him if you want to go somewhere go to what she says something like go to a petrol station there's lots of women lots of strangers who won't know who you are go there what exactly does she it, think it looks a, he's, like he's trying to pick up women I think he's trying to have an affair or something yeah, I, I think so yeah like, yeah. Or look for prostitutes because if you go to Europe, you find a lot of prostitutes at okay. European service stations. Yeah, she, she, she just thinks she's given him sort of advice to how how he can sort of uh, how to conduct yeah, an affair. Yes. Yes. Mm. Okay. Mm. Oh, not not, nece- not necessarily even an affair. Does she does she know that he's married? I That's mean, true. Know- M- maybe it was. Yeah, maybe it was that. The younger daughter says, "Have you got a mistress?" Mm. But the older daughter is just keep very standoffish the whole time. And the younger daughter is the only one that he thanks for the presents on uh, his birthday. Like, what ungrateful man. Okay, he's also a killer. But what ungrateful man on his birthday, he's given all those presents and he doesn't even open his mouth to smile. I rewatched it. The only one he says thank you to is his younger daughter for that R key ring. For the lovely tiles that his wife bought for the house, nothing. Doesn't crack a smile. For the nice cardigan, he gets a cardigan, he holds it up against himself. He doesn't. He doesn't crack a smile. <laughs> Even when they get the photo album out, he doesn't say anything. Just opens it up, starts flicking through. He says, "Get me my glasses." That's all he says. We're talking to you guys now. This film is definitely an eight, in my opinion. I look like at you. you. Thank look you. you. <laughs> <laughs> lovely, lovely. I've, I've got. I've got a few notes. I mean, I don't know whether you whether you're. Let's hear them. Let's have scatter gun note okay, then. section. Right. I've got obsession beyond reason underlined. Yes. Rex, Rex knows that he might die just as a 16-year-old Raymond knew his fall might kill him. Are we capable of free will to go against what is expected? Are we programmed, predetermined to always reject such a situation? Both characters are capable of going beyond such constraints. Both are consumed by extreme characteristics. Both are destined to meet and battle this game out. Both are willing to die to serve their needs. That's poetry, mate. That is. <laughs> that is what Jamie is looking for in an essay submitted on this film. Yes. If you don't hit all those notes, you ain't getting that A. <laughs> you definitely got the A, Jamie. <laughs> Thank you. I'm very delighted that this film was brought to our attention. Yes, very much so. And just to just to wrap the. Uh, my take on the ending up now that you have i don't i don't i don't think i even properly heard that line but now that i know that he was 100 percent going for his death and he knew it that definitely adds a lot more to the ending than what i took from the first from when i watched it yeah that's uh, definitely fatalistic sort of death drive you know he's so yes. He needs to know at whatever yeah. cost. At yeah. whatever yeah. cost. And he's, he's given himself up to it by that point. Yeah. 
I also do like to think it's a damning indictment of Western culture and the need for answers in art and for everything to just be explained. Like, don't give me ambiguity, give me mm-hmm. answers. I mm-hmm. think there's something to be said in it. Yeah. Although I think there would be a lot more to be said in it if he didn't then go on to direct his own remake of yes. his own film. But I choose to believe it was a criticism of Western desire for answers all the time. Over interpretation. Indeed. I choose I choose that as my truth. It's a good truth. Do you yes. also think that if if someone's gonna get a payday from your film it might as well be you? Well, true enough. Well, yeah, it, if they're yeah. going to do it anyway, yeah. let me do it. Yeah. Yeah. If you're going to make this film, you're going to annoy me anyway. I might as well do it, try and make it what I want and get made at the same time. That has extra pertinence when you, you guys find out what we're covering on next week's episode. Oh, yes. A little hint there. Uh, yes. Lovely. Is there anything else you want to go? You want to say about this film? Um, I'm sure I'll think of something at the end of the night, but oh, why did yeah. I say yeah. that? <laughs> Do you want bring to move up Paul on? and add it in? We'll just add it yeah. in like it would happen right now. We'll all call some oohs and ahs and ah, oh, yeah, I agree with that. Oh, that was, yeah. <laughs> we'll just some sound bites we can whack on the end of it. Send the sound bites. Like a DJ. Do you want to move on to what some of our followers have to say about this film? Oh, yes. Yeah. Right, so first of all, we have Sean Panda Nicholson, and he says, probably one of the scariest killers ever put to film. I just find him so haunting and creepy, especially how calm he is. Well, 20, 25th scariest mm-hmm. film of all time, so that's one of the reasons yeah, I guess it's one I, of the I, scariest. I still don't think it needs... Uh, it's, I wouldn't put it on the top 25 scariest films of all time. Yeah, but he's I not mean, not it depends films. what you're looking for, though. He's saying killer, and and there's a more there's a subtlety to him in in mm, him being true. more realistic. In the same way that people might say, "Oh, Norman Bates actually isn't that scary." It's like it's, he, it's, it's not really no, yeah, it's not really scary. It's sort of it's just I'm close so, to home. It's uncomfortably yes, mm. un, un, unsettling. Yeah, uncomfortably yeah. unsettling. Yeah, like that guy that you see in Sainsbury's every day could be a killer. Could have someone in the basement of his house or whatever you know uh, that sort of unsettling you, thing. Argue, you can argue that this sort of character this sort of killer is far more scary than your typical you know horror slasher yes. character you know the, yeah. the, who, who and they are supposed they are designed to be scary but it's much more scary to have this killer that you can't really sort of you, 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 you. he's your neighbour yes mm. It, it's just much more primal it's more it's more human like Michael Myers works on a oh if I'm going to the bathroom in the middle of the night and I need to go down the hallway without turning a light on and I turn that light on is Michael there that yeah. the idea of that still scares me as a 35 year old man but <laughs> I'm not going to be thinking about this guy in the middle of the night and be scared for that reason but I may wake up at 2 o'clock in the morning and the idea of yeah. him and what that means is more scary in a fucking existential kind of way, you but, know. But, oh, his 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 crimes are are taken are done in broad daylight. Yeah. So you, you, right you don't. You. Ha- yeah, you don't have that sort of uh, traditional sort of horror, sort of uh, in, in the darkness, um, yeah. creeping element. And some in some ways it makes it even more sort of sinister, knowing that it's. In broad daylight, yeah. and you know, just when you when you feel you think you should be safe in those elements. Yeah, absolutely. Um, the next one up here we got is from Carlo. I saw this years after watching the remake and knowing the outcome already, and I still I still found it effectively chilling with a very haunting ending. Years well, after watching the remake, so like, and like Jamie, so probably my experience. Then yeah. Mm-hmm. 
So, Jamie, were you surprised when you watched the original and he wasn't saved then? Um, I had a I had a feeling that it was going to be distinctly different. So mm, that's, good. Yeah. Yeah. It's more European as well. Yes. Yeah. Um, and finally, Gidget Von LaRue says, fantastic movie, American remake, Pussied Out. I saw this film with my dad at the cinema. There was us and about four other people in the cinema. Loved it. Yeah, I like those uh, low turnout screenings of films. It yeah, feels a lot more intimate. Yes. Mm. Beautiful. Uh, well, that's all good stuff, and we agree with all of that. Yes. Thank you. Good review. Thank you, our Twitter followers. Lovely stuff. Shall we move on to placing this film? Oh, Ooh. lovely. It's going to be up there. Um, all right, guys. As always, you know, we take a step away to just calibrate the charts and work out what and where this position. So we figured out that this was an 8.3 average. We got a few films at 8.3. We got the Suicide Squad at the bottom of the 8.3 pick pack, and we decided it was better than that. We got the Straight Story above that, and collectively we decided it was better than that. We then have Sound of Metal, and we said it was better than that. And we have They Live, and we said it was better than that. And then we had Goal, and as much as it rips me apart, I have too much affinity with Goal. And Adam does as well. So Very the bad. Vanishing sits just below. <laughs> I would not agree. <laughs> Santiago Munez didn't travel all the way from the streets of LA to Newcastle Fulham. for nothing. <laughs> and played against Fulham while his dad saw him play. Um, so. Terrible stuff. So I'm 23rd sorry. place, was it? 23rd place. Wow. Look at that. Sorry, Jamie. Are you ready for something? Are you Go ready for the big? Are you ready for a big surprise? Oh. We got to Go do Jamie's other ranking first. This, this is my ranking now, is it? It's Jamie's ranking time. Right. You was was that that, though, was I thought you were going to say another. Surprise. You were setting up something else, weren't you? Right. Yes. So whenever we have a guest on this podcast, they get a little perk as when they come on the episode, and they get to put their rating to any film we have reviewed and and skew. Our tables a bit skew skew our our top twenty maybe maybe skew our top or bottom ten. Anything. Who knows? Let's see what Jamie wants to do. Well, go ahead, Jamie. This could go either way. I mean, I I I could I could really sort of kick a film ru- way down. You could <laughs> a, a film that I disagree with, Brass. I mean, <laughs> I mean, I, mean I, I I I might just. Do something spontaneous and change what I was originally planning on doing. I mean, he's a sociopath. Like do that. Yeah. He's a sociopath. And, yes. and perhaps his destiny, you know? Yeah. Um, I mean, that film Goal, I mean, I might just have to knock that one down. I mean, it's, uh, oh, it's my, in my Lord. Way. Adam, we can't let this happen. This uh, is, this well, is harsh. Uh, hang on a minute. <laughs> I'm in control here. He has. He's got control the only of thing the board. If, if he knocks it down, it means we have to stop fighting against these films that are going to be kind of knocking around that level. It's a bit like with Velocipasta, isn't it? There's so many films that you know are better, but your heart says no, you can't put it. I want, I want to, I want to reach out to Jamie and tell him, look into your heart and go with your guts. <laughs> the film you were, you really want it to change. <laughs> Not the Don't brain. Act impulsively. Well, go on, keep it, keep it going. <laughs> I feel like there's a reason you picked whatever film you picked before you came to this podcast, and it's yeah. because it really means something to you. Goal will be a very shallow victory. It you'll won't move the vanishing into the top 20. Forget. It will just move it from 23rd to 22nd. Is that really all that satisfying? Perhaps. Okay. 
I'm not going to do that. <laughs> Saved it. Saved it. I'm, I'm not going to do that. That, that would be really churlish. Right. Um, I and I don't really like to knock de- films down, to be honest. That's not, I'm, I'm more interested in... Elevation. Celebrating. Yes. Yeah. Yes. So, last time, Midsummer. This time, I'm going to go for a film that pretty, you know, it blew me away in a way that I can't really quite understand and I have to rewatch it again. Um, but it's Holy Motors. Hey. Oh. Wow. Wow. Great. Yeah, What's going to happen I'm here? I'm going to give that a 10. Oh, oh wow. I'm going to give Holy oh. Motors a 10. Wow, wow, that, yeah. wow. That is going to really boost it. Oh my god, we've already so that's six people's votes on that as well. We're yeah. gonna have to recalibrate here. Yeah. Yes. Where's Holy Motors at the moment? I think, 20, I think Julio's gonna be very pleased with that. Yeah. Let's do this. So I'm, I'm pleased with that. Holy I'm Motors. Because it's it's a film that has sat with me. Not just because we did it with the contrarians, not just because it gets mentioned a lot, but it is a film. It's you it's think so about distinct, more and more. So distinctive and oh mm. yeah. And it again, a film that doesn't need to tell you all the answers. Adam gave it a seven. Right, so yeah, we've got two seven. Alex and Adam. Paul, add these up. Alex and Adam gave it seven. Uh, you gave it uh, eight. I gave it a nine. Julio gave it a ten. And Jamie gave it a ten. So divide that by six. Yeah, 8.5. Mm-hmm. It goes into the top 20. It goes Whoa. in. Jamie's put a film in. Not the one that he brought to the podcast, but with his vote, he has thrown a film into our top 20 listeners, which means we got big decisions to make here, boys, because we have four big hitters on 8.5s, the lowest of the 8.5s at the 17th spot being Once Upon a Time in Hollywood. It's better than that for me. I'd say it's better. So on it goes. Next one up. Halloween 2018. It's better than that for me. It's not better. Adam. Better. Yeah, it is better. I remember. I can't remember anything about Halloween. It's definitely better. Wait, 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 wait. I wait, gave wait. them both a seven. Adam. I reckon you gave Halloween an eight. Well, even uh, it's going on gut feeling right now, Paul. So move on. Yeah, but you can't. You can't go against your scores. We don't have no, to be that well, OCD with can. it. You can. You can. You can change it. He, he gave Halloween it at eight. the end of he the can't. year. He gave Halloween an eight. Yeah, can't go so what does that mean? It sits between ha- Halloween and Once Upon a Time. Yeah, but I want to change well, it, it now. Can't I change it now? No, you can't. No, you can't. You can't, mate. You can only change it at the end of the year. You know this. You're your stupid rules, Paul. Well, Holy Motors sits above Once Upon a Time in Hollywood, but below Halloween 2018. And above that is Smoke, and above that is Midsummer. Jamie, you seen Smoke? Yes. Oh, good. Mm. What do you think of that? You like that? I really enjoyed it. Yes. Oh, good. Wonderful. Really good I'm, I'm very glad Smoke... Smoke is the most unassuming film in this top 20. Mm. I had, and I've got sad news, though. I hadn't seen it until you recommended... Well, you brought up in a show and then I, and See, I wa- this is it. a die-hard mm. fan, people. This is a die-hard. Mm. <laughs> now, listen, I've got sad news. What's the sad news? The addition of Holy Motors means we lose something from the top 20. Oh, 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 we do, poor. That's poor, 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 poor. Both eyes have been poked out, and Baccarat is well and truly blind. It's no longer in the top 20. Oh. So now, just holding on to that top 20 spot is the Blues Brothers, Adam. You'll be pleased to know. All right, Get I might up. pump that. I can't, even, I can't <laughs> even pump it up to a 10. I've got it at a 10 already, haven't I? I, yes. think, I think bumping up Baccarat 
Just wait another six months or so, then I can bump it up. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and bump the Blues Brothers, Jamie. <laughs> yes. You get your sticker, buy your sticker for it, and then move on. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> Are we done with the ratings? We're done. No, we're not. We got one last surprise, one last twist in the tail. What's the surprise? Guess oh, who went to the oh. cinema yesterday? Did you? Guess who watched the Suicide Squad? Oh Did my you? God! Ooh. Have you seen it yet, Jamie? Yeah. So this is the thing he was going to say earlier that he didn't want to tell us. <laughs> this is the surprise to so patrons. <laughs> you'll hear me call it out in a minute. So I watched it. I don't. Th- I haven't got the time to get into it now, so I'm not even going to explain myself. If you want to talk about it, we'll talk about it in the next episode. Yeah. Or the okay. next patron. On the pat- patron episode, maybe. In yeah. fact, mate, do you know what? We will be talking about it on the patron episode because so far it is the worst film that I have seen this year. <laughs> <laughs> I don't mean this year. I mean this month. But it is bad. Uh, I had... <laughs> How bad? Next to zero interest in it. It was a five out of ten. Look at that. Yeah. I will talk about it at the end of the month. Ben, what happened when King Shark ripped that guy in half? Did you not go, ah, that's kind of cool? No, because I because whether I wanted to or not, I'd seen that in a million trailers already. Yeah. Obviously, yeah. I hadn't seen the trailers, so. We'll talk well, about it next well, month. I, did, I think I forgot that bit. But do you yeah. know what that does? Do you know what that does? Recalibrating the charts, it means it's going to drop right down, and, and it's so fitting you're here, Jamie. It means it matches with one other film on our rankings. Did you, did you divide it by four, yeah? Yeah. Burn yeah. After Reading. Burn After Reading. Yeah. <laughs> the Suicide Squad or Burn After Reading. I'm saying Burn After Reading. <laughs> well, I say Burn After Reading too. So that's where it goes. There it goes. <laughs> Excellent. That's well, are you fine. happy that he got to say Burn After Reading was a better film than something? It just happened to be a Suicide Squad film. That's wonderful. <laughs> Listen, hey, you know I haven't got a problem with DC. I like DC, but these Suicide Squad films are not for me. That's fine. I, you, you love... Well, I, I, I won't say love I like Sex in the City yes that's fine the, the Snyder Cut you like that that's good enough for me I did the, the Snyder Cut is uh, still that was so out of the blue that was I was not yes. I was not expecting that <laughs> me either that was a hell of a ride <laughs> well look at that look at that's that fine. we can talk more about it next time anyway don't really uh, surprise so me so shall we go on to patrons <laughs> yes what they've been so watching. lovely lovely that was a lovely review of the film some lovely placing of some films but now that moves on to our patron suggestions our patrons suggest some films that they've been watching recently and basically tell them whether they're good or bad first we have julio he says i'm sad to report gremlins 2 doesn't hold up as well as i was expecting it's still fun and if you find the creatures amusing you'll probably love it I find the humans more entertaining, so the more gremlin-centric the movie got, the less I cared. Still, Phoebe Cates, hubba hubba. Really? I can't imagine Julio <laughs> saying those words. <laughs> <laughs> the new Nick Cage movie, Pig, was pretty good, very subdued, non-memeable performance. I'd be really curious to see how you guys react to it. Several friends have absolutely loved it, and while I'm nowhere near that level of enthused by it, I can see where they're coming from. Gremlins 2 is just a parody, really, isn't it? Not really. Yeah, it is. It is. They're both fine. They're just They're fine. <laughs> I like them. It's a them. fine film. I like it, yes, that's it. There's, there's not much more enthusiasm for me. About no. They're fine. I, I enjoy them. They're fine. I am looking forward to Pig, though. Same. I know Same. nothing about Pig, uh, which me is neither. exactly what I want to... Yeah. It's got a pig in it. <laughs> Exciting times for Nick Cage. 
it's about time it's been a long time since he did something that was actually properly good you know yeah uh, mm-hmm. Katie and Oti said we watched Pacific Rim Uprising and it was buckets of fun initially didn't have any expectations but with Boyega and Denight attached the bar was raised forage an indulgent snack a tasty beverage and tuck into this nonsense because you deserve it I don't think uh, I do deserve to be I've, I've tried watching nonsense. Pacific Rim about three times and every single time oh. I've got about ten minutes into it and I thought why the fuck am I watching this shit <coughs> isn't that just more like Michael Bay style big dumb I only ever nonsense. watched it because it had Charlie Day in it it was like one of the first films he kind yeah, of came Charlie out Day. he kind of did after Sunny. I was like ah oh. I've tried watching it but it's got Charlie Day in it Charlie Hummin in it as well I just I cannot get into all the Charlies the, Charlie's the I'm wrong I'm sorry Katie but you keep Charlie your snacks Manson. and your beverages yeah, and never never ever watched it and never been really interested in watching it <laughs> no you <laughs> so can keep sorry, that she was sorting out our Friday night then we just shut her down Let's see maybe I'll watch Jamie, it for like, Katie and OT who knows we're watching Jamie's reaction here live as we shoot down his react- recommendations <laughs> I know, that's true. Jamie you gets can, react you can if to you us. want. Right, okay. So I've got three for you here. Right. Lovely. Um, so last night, I watched Boss Level. Um, would make an in- interesting double bill with Guns Akimbo. Nerd Revert's review sums it up well as happy death day for gamers. It was very entertaining. Mm. You know, but you know, it's... I'm, I'm, I'm quite happy just to switch off, switch off and just watch something that's just, just, just a blast. And, you know, I can... Have, I can still, still, still really enjoy it. Um, so I like I switching it- off too. By the way, I hope I don't have that <laughs> reputation. I just like switching off for good things. <laughs> it doesn't necessarily have to be good. Just I suppose. Mind know, okay, okay, just, 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 just entertaining. You know, um, these next two films. So I've, I've, I've gone for a bit of uh, contrast here. So this, this next one is a is a darker sort of indie film called Black Bear. Oh yes, I want to see this one. I've heard of it. Great I've perform- heard of it because of the yeah. Black Mirror episode. But yeah, uh, great performance by Audrey Plaza. Yes, not, Audrey Plaza. Normally great in everything. Anyway, um, it can be described as a narrative that explores the strains of being directed in a film by a partner you love. The second half is basically a film within a film, revealing all the mechanics of filmmaking process and all the behind-scenes drama. I really enjoyed that. I give that an eight. And then just a feel-good film. I watched this with uh, uh, my eldest daughter, Erin, and that might have sort of influenced uh, my uh, feelings about it. A film called Marvelous. Have you heard of this? Oh yeah, is it about the um, the young the young guy? He wears the helmet. He's got like a dis disability yes, yes. kind of thing. Yes, uh, yes. So it's a feel-good biopic film of Neil Baldwin, um, who 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 he's got sort of learning difficulties. Um, but he, he, you know, rises above these challenges um, and he becomes a, a kit man for Stoke City um, hmm. and played really well. It was a fantastic performance by Toby Jones. And it's a real good feel good, feel good film. Um, some, some, you know, a few dark moments in it, but it's a really good film overall. So I'll give that another eight. Oh, that's intriguing. I heard nothing about that. And I like Toby Jones. He's really good in that. He's got that, has it got that Jacob, what's his name in it? That is... That is very strange because I thinking of a different film, mm. and it's about a little boy. Is it the one with that Jacob Jamie was kid giving that plot description, and then Paul was like, "When's the helmet come into it?" Yeah, and and I said a little boy with a disability, and then it was like, "Yes, it's a person with a disability." Well, he, he, no, you he, said helmet. He does. He does. Yeah, have, he wears a helmet. He does have a. Le- um... It's about li- it's Jake. Yeah, it's Jacob Tremblay. You got 
that's what you're thinking of the same film as me. Wonder. It's called Wonder. Oh, oh okay, that's yeah, one I'm yeah. thinking of as well. That's a different one. Different film. I want to watch that Toby <laughs> Jones one. That's <laughs> <laughs> good. Good film. No, very well, good. How did you wonderful. watch Black Bear? Um, it's on uh, Mubi. Oh, I don't have that. Okay. Uh, very it's good. Very, very good. Very good. Nice recommendations yep. there, Jamie. They were all wonderful re- recommendations. I've Thank got you. nothing Absolutely negative to say wonderful. about any of them. Nothing negative to say about any of them. Fantastic. Can, well, can, yes. Can, can I just just one sort of a podcast shout out? I think. Uh, yeah. Oh yes. Um, so our good friends, Movie Drone. Oh my goodness! Yes. Recording tonight. Oh, lovely. Uh, with a very special guest. Yes. LJ Human. Yes. And I think. Uh, Luke, I think I think it's his, it's definitely his first appearance on Movie Drone, but I think it might be his I, first podcast. I haven't heard him on a podcast yet. I'm very Me excited neither. to listen. I want to hear how how he sounds. When that guy writes reviews, his he reviews like a are proper the most academic. articulate pace yeah. ever. Yeah. He's very articulate with his reviews. Fascinating. I look forward to it. What film are they covering? Uh, Summer of Sam. Ooh. Oh, wonderful! Yeah. Wow. It's a, it's a really good film, uh, but it's, it's been a while since I've seen it, so I definitely want to rewatch it, and then I'll yes. be yeah, I'll be tuning into that. So great yeah. plug, so, and yeah, those guys are lovely and incredible. They regularly play our promos, and I've asked them send us your promo, and they're like, yeah, we get round to creating a promo. They don't have one, but it's just a shout out to say that they are amazing guys. They always plug us, and you know, just keep your keep your ears dialed to other favourite podcasts because you might just find us in the strangest places before you know it. Mm. Oh. Oh. Well, you know what that means, but not Ooh. everyone else. I don't know well, what yes. that means, to be honest. Because you don't pay attention. You know exactly what it means. You've forgotten you don't pay attention. <laughs> <laughs> but that'll be happening soon, just as soon as uh, lockdowns ease in other parts of the world, I believe. So, Exciting. Right, before... We say goodbye to the wonderful Jamie. Should we just should we just say what we're going to be talking about next time? Well, I was going to say I was going to say this is the first time that me and Adam actually know what it is before. Well, and, and I know vanishing. We and know. Jamie knows already as well. Does Jamie know? <laughs> we oh, gave okay. him clues yes. earlier when he worked it out. This is, Te- this is tease the listeners. Then this is a surprise for the listeners. So this is my pick. This is uh, a film from 1997. Um. Uh, how am I going to tease this out? Okay, it's also had a sequel. Remake. Re- remake. A remake. remake. Yeah. Shot by sequel. Shot. It's a remake, a shot by shot remake that had Naomi Watts in it. And you can probably guess Tim what it Roth. is by now. And Tim Roth, yes, Tim Roth's in it as well. It is by director Michael Hanek. Would you, is it Michael Haneke or Michael Hanek? I say Hanek. I, I say Hanek. I don't know his yes. name. You probably know what it is. It is Funny Games. I've not watched this film in a long time, but I'm I've very excited. I've watched it in a long time. I, I, um, this is a film that I chose uh, to show students for several years. Wow. Um, and yeah, it, it always got responses. Yeah, in many forms. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I can't remember too much about the detail of it other than one particularly standout scene. Um I know what you're talking about. <laughs> very prolonged scene, yeah. Uh, but I remember, well, yeah, I won't say nothing else. Well, it, I look forward to that. That is a film that uh, I would have uh, either suggested myself mm. you know, to have come in in person like this, or for you to have covered. Yeah, yeah, well, look, you're getting you're getting double bigger. double the bang for your buck, Jamie. Look at that. You, yes. you're, and it works as a good double header with the vanishing. I would say, all things considered. 
it mm. does. And I will, uh, I will, I will give you my uh, written thoughts about it. Oh, yes. fantastic, fantastic! And now let's just say thank you, Jamie. Thank you so much for this suggestion, and thank you so As much always. for being here today to talk about this wonderful film because you're a wonderful man teacher. <laughs> Yes. Bye, thank you. <laughs> As opposed to a lady teacher. Yes, exactly. <laughs> a sociopathic teacher he is. Yeah, I, I haven't really been uh, representing teaching very well by uh, by suggesting the vanishing, but there you go. Um, you absolutely have my goodness. If if I was going to go, going to find out something about my upcoming teachers, lecturers, and whatnot, and I uh, found out they had appeared on a few podcasts, and I somehow found out the films they recommended, I'd be like, yeah, I'm onto a winner here. Defo. Absolutely. Great cause, Wonderful, Jamie, Jamie. As always. Fantastic. Thank you so thank much. Thank you so much. And thank no you for worries. putting up with the long wait for it as well. Sorry it was so <laughs> bloody long. We got there in the end. It but it's worth done. a wait. Worth a wait. Fantastic. <laughs> thank you, gents. Right. Thank you everyone for listening and I guess we'll see you on the Patreon. You we'll better s- go check that Patreon out. See you on the Patreon. It's at forward slash filmbusters and it's about sociopaths, our favourite ones. But if you don't want to see that or listen to that then I guess we'll see you next time on Funny Games. We love you, Jamie Russell. We love Jamie.